0: You're listening to the future cannabis project. Begin transmission
1: now. I wasn't in this game two years ago. I've been I'm an underground grower, you know, and have been in the in the traditional market for over 45 years. And Mm -hmm. coming out and meeting like guys like Colin and Cam over the last couple of years has really helped me understand where the market's morphed into. And what I really appreciate appreciate about what you're doing is and what I believe is critical at this point is we need to be reaching out and teaching out uh, correct information there's so much bad Absolutely. information out there
2: Absolutely.
1: you know that's what I'm seeing people people hurting themselves on oils that they don't understand that that's an internal and you're not supposed to smoke the damn thing you know and, and, and like my practice I'm holistic wildcraft organic my working with cam he's where i am as far as our methodologies with plants go and my, just so you understand i've been smoking this plant since 1970 and for me this has been my lifeline because i never really was into alcohol and i've done all the other drugs in the 70s i'm a 70s era bet i'm a old airborne combat engineer uh and uh, green brave anyway different world different life but stepping out of that time period is what helped me uh embrace a plant and and learn to grow the plant was the fact that i could grow a grow my own medicine b knew exactly where it came from you know knew that it was that i'm the guy you know what's going on at that whole thing so that's a lot of where i am with it right now is trying to teach people i want to teach people how to grow their own plant and if they can't grow their own plant have access to stuff like what i do and what cam does and what Carl is a proponent for and what you are proposing it for is high quality, fresh medicine <laughs> that comes from a reputable source that we know is clean and that you know the end result is is I get I get that it's an intoxicant, but we use this as a medicinal purpose to keep ourselves balanced and regulated. And and some of the things I put in that text I put the other night, because it's part of my journey, is this has kept me, you know, I'm a I'm a trained killer, sister. And it's taken me 50 years to get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I approach the plant keeps me. I was never afraid of ever killing myself. My biggest fear was always that I would do something in a short moment of losing my grasp on things and hurt somebody. Or worse, kill somebody and then spend my whole damn life in a six by nine. And that's always been my biggest Biggest, biggest concern of why I've isolated myself, and you know, I'm in rural northern Humboldt County. You know, I'm not down in L.A. I'm not in San Diego. Hell, I'm not even. I'm four hours north of Santa Rosa, where can you
3: last like four hours tops Uh, in these cities? I've seen it. He can last like four hours tops, and I don't blame you one bit.
1: You know, it's hard. It's it's, and and uh, and why I love Colin so much is I understand his choice of being out in nature because that's how I healed myself was having my hands in the dirt my feet barefoot on the ground and working mother ganja with my hands and learning to love her and appreciate her for what she really is and I and why I address it with people this is a sacred sacred plant this is not this is not some kind of it's been demonized for only about 80 frippin' years is the part that pisses me off. I'm generationally a seven, you know, I was a young man in the 70s, so I saw this plant being demonized in 90, you know, the, people don't get it The The law only goes back the last frickin' schedule one thing, that's 1970, that's only 50 frippin' years ago. That's not like that was long ago. When you talk about a plant that's been used on this planet for a conservatively six to 7,000 years. Conservatively. Thanks, you know, I'm seeing all kinds of crazy documentation now. I read an article the other day where they were going back into biblical times and finding the plant on altars that goes back before Christ was born. You know, so there's there's all these things that, and me personally, I'm going to get way off on a tangent here, but I believe the anointed <laughs> one was anointed with holy cannabis oil. That's how I look at I
2: this. I believe that myself as well. So, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I do preach all the time is the fact that... This plant was here way before any one of us that is alive today and will continue to be even after we're gone. There's nothing that we can do about that but actually embrace it in our humanity and be able to make this world a better place, not only as in the person, as medicine that you use, but also um, as an eco-friendly crop that can potentially save our environment and give us all a better quality of life. You a- don't have amen. to. Consume. Amen, You don't have, it's not about consumption. It's about the potential and how it can actually, in essence, I know it may sound out there, but save the world. There's so many industries that right now, if they use the fiber for, for the plant, that it it would take it to, to a next level and at the same time, help uh, the rest of the world. So, it, you know, this is, we should not take this lightly. That's, that's usually how I preach it. <laughs> There's
1: amen. So much yeah. Work- a- amen. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's kind of, and I guess part of what I've realized is I, I would have been about, you know, I got out of the traditional market after my military time, and I just, I focused on just underground. I mean, I was literally pre 2000, you couldn't find me. I was in a four by five little box in Willits, California, you know, and, and if anybody's ever been to Willits before, that is a weed community that nothing else really pushes that little town anymore other than wow. the plant. And that's kind of, again, that whole name, that whole community. So, you know, I am a long Valley boy, man. You know, I am a, I was raised in Ukiah. I am a NorCal through and through, you know. I've <laughs> left and traveled the world. I've come back to this area and retired here and been in this craft for decades and decades now. And it's like watching where it's morphed from back when I first got into it to where it's transitioned about 10 or 15 years ago when I, you know, I love these youngsters Ago, go, oh, I've been in it since it was legal. It's like, you haven't done shit. You know, you got <laughs> into a game after it. we forged with our blood, sweat and tears, Jail time, personally, I've been thrown in the bin locked up for, you know, they took five years of my life back in the mid 80s, guys, you know, over this plant, Mm -hmm. three quarters of an ounce. That's the crazy part of this. In 33 states, that's a ticketable or misdemeanor offense. Mm -hmm. And they threw me in freaking prison over it, you know, and it's like, I look at it now where how it shifted so much It's like, there's so me, it's the love of the plant, what it does, how it helps us all regardless of how you use it don't you don't have to use do it the way i do it do it the way that it works for you i have friends that i've worked with from childhood epilepsy to a buddy i'm helping with crohn's disease right now and i assure you my partner with crohn's is not using the plant to get high he's juicing the freaking green leaves making smoothies out of them he's drinking it internally because of the all the the, the high medicinal value that the whole plant has that's again that's where this thing what I realized a couple of years ago, cause I wish Dr. Sue was here and maybe we could get Ethan in on one of these conversations in the future. But this is a point where that we've taken old hippie, you know, a bunch of old slacker hippies. Come hang out with me for a summer and do three thousand hours in the hot sun on the side of a mountainside. I'll show you what lazy is. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm a mid I'm in my mid sixties now. You know, it's like this is that this out. is not a, you, it's not a lazy man's game, out. you know. It is the ones that are, that are true, true craft professional cannabis growers and the Emerald triangle, what Cam preaches, what I preach, what we do as a craft, it comes out in our flower quality. And that's what I tell. I mean, again, I'm going to shut up and let Kim, Kim, Colin can speak firsthand. Brother, you you know, you've smoked my flowers before. Cam, you've smoked my flowers. Oh, before. yeah.
4: They're wonderful. Well, you know, we also that, need to <laughs> get rid of this differentiation between recreational and medicinal. It's all therapeutic. And it's been used for you know, all of human history as a food and fiber and fuel and a medicine and and a way to become spiritual in our own way. And it's only been, like you said, the last 80 years that we've been without this. And an interesting thing, and I'm not saying causation correlation, but we have had forever that um, it, it's only in the last several decades that we're starting to see these autoimmune diseases. We're starting to see allergies. We're starting to see these things where our bodies attack themselves. And we don't really have a written record of something like that previously, but we've also had uh, cannabinoids in our diet for all of human history. And I I can hear my dad saying, well, I never touched it, my grandfather never touched it. And I was like, no, but your livestock ate feral hemp. If your livestock's eating feral hemp and your chickens are eating the seeds and your goats are eating it, so you're getting cannabinoids through your milk, through your dairy, through your meat, from that, and acidic cannabinoids in the raw form are, are very effective at much smaller doses to find that homeostasis in our body. And so I think we're having to relearn what we've forgotten throughout all of human history. And you were talking about, uh, you know, finding biblical evidence. Uh, then uh, what was it? Uh, Exodus 30:23? It talks about the holy anointing oil. Well, there was a mistranslation in the early text of the Bible in the Septuagint where they changed calamus to cannabosin or vice versa and there is references all throughout the bible to all cannabis. That it, by how much cannabis how many shekels it costs to put it in the holy anointing oil and so if you're seeing you know ancient things about jesus bringing sight to the blind or he's healing leprosy or he's casting out demons well if you have ocular pressure you're going to be blind with glaucoma and if you're anointed with cannabis oil reducing the ocular pressure you get sight to the blind. Leprosy, which covered all kinds of skin conditions, but if you put a topical ointment of acidic cannabinoids, even decarboxylated cannabinoids, on any kind of dermatitis or or, uh, some sort of skin condition, it heals fairly quickly, so healing leprosy. Children or people with epilepsy having seizures could absolutely look like being possessed by a demon. Give them raw acidic cannabinoid, whole plant wonderful goodness, and you'll see a reduction in seizures or casting out demons. Now I'm not saying that's exactly what it is, but you know, you gotta look at all the evidence and where we've come from and all the altars where they were burning seeds. They were burning this as part of a spirituality. But uh, we've only had 80 years of misinformation, disinformation, propaganda, and bullshit. And we've got- to in, 80 you know, years, in 80 in, in years, too In 80 years,
1: yeah, in only 80 years. That's what people don't get. It's like, this is only since the late, the early 1930s that this has all changed. This hasn't even been in a hundred year time period. You know, and, I, and and again, I get I get it, I just don't understand it. And it, you know, it, it, my, the get it part is, is it's all about greed and it's all about cor- corruption and control, okay? Mm-hmm. And what we've realized now, what Cam hit it totally on the head and Joanne and I, Colin, I know you guys know this too, we're talking about a plant that is food, medicine, fiber, fuel, rubber, concrete, all these things, all these industries that it spills into now, it's why they it's greed. They want to keep it demonized so that people stay away from it. You know, I'm glad to see that we got industrial hemp out of that loop and put back into a textile that it could be used as. And again, breeders that want to breed that thread and go into CBD-specific strains for research and development and for medical applications to do that. You know, I'm totally glad to see that that happens and keeps going that way. You know, for me and for Cam and and you guys too, cause you guys use the plan and I know what, what Colin, you know, what his thread is and how, what he preaches and follows. And I believe in Colin's mission so much it's beyond words. You know, I believe in Colin's mission so much that I drove down 750 miles one way two years ago and brought my flowers down for his birthday just to go hang out with him, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's what my connection to him is. And 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 him, like a lot of people don't know, he literally knows where I live, you know, in just when I told him where I live, he's got all my yeah, that's where I want to retire to. I, I you know that's kind of how we are drawn together. And I know Colin's backstory and he knows mine. And again, we shared a similar path of how we went through the military and you know, and sister, I don't know yours, but I have two daughters that are freaking veterans, you know, and I already know what women endure going through the military. And I applaud you so much for what you endured to, to get to where you are and to be able to use your platform now as a military veteran to help it bring in other female veterans into this right. mix and just it just as, as a whole to, you know, to get it beyond this isn't a we thing. This isn't a me thing or I thing. this is a we thing where we can touch a lot of people. And yeah, out.
2: this is a community thing.
1: Thank you. It, mm-hmm. it kills me, you know, I, because, I, you know, just briefly, you know, I got, I've been blown up twice, fragged once, you know, I've mm-hmm. ju- jumped out of airplanes, I got bad shoulders, bad knees, but anyway, long story short, the, the the regime was 750 milligram Vicodin's on a 90 count on a, with an unlimited supply and go home and lay on the fripping floor. That was the recourse of Western medicine. And I just wasn't going to buy that, you know, and I don't take synthetics. You know, I drink coffee. I smoke my fine herb that I produce myself and that's about it. I take occasionally if my joints are really, really killing me, I might take a little leave or something for just to, so till I get to sleep but other than that I really don't take a whole lot of plethora of things that they want the VA has issued you, you know I'm a hundred percent pink card carrying member and I'm not retired you know I'm a hundred percent disabled I'm not you know I didn't make 20 years of this I did my first tour and they damn near killed me in my first two or three times you know and that that was it for me you know it's like I got out and it's like and have been where you guys are now where not, not acknowledgement within the VA system, getting off point here a little bit, but it still rounds back to this because I meet young men and women that are you guys age range now where they're getting the same kind of treatment I was getting back in the ni- 80s and 90s when all I really wanted, I blew shit up for a living. All I wanted was hearing aids. You know, that's all I ever asked for was hearing aids. And now they owe me 100% because they wouldn't give me hearing aids 30 years ago. Okay, that's just how, but I hear the same stories from young men and women, like the ones that are getting out today, that they don't know they're, they're, we're all damaged. And I tell anybody over about the age of 18, you get out on your own, everybody has PTS, everybody, you know, even if you live silver spoon in your life, and you were coddled till your 21st birthday, as soon as you walked out the door, somebody punched you in your teeth. That's just the fact of life. It's just that's just how it is you know then so when i hey, approach- yeah yeah you're you're absolutely right joanne I, can
3: you please I, cut in I, on any of this? thank you
2: well i so what i wanted to say with respect to my mission and what i'm doing is just i want this information that we're having these discussions i want the people to be able to hear this information because You know, you guys have been doing this for decades. There's people before you that have been doing it as well. This is nothing new. This information um, has been here. Like we said, you mentioned biblical times, potentially back then um, this was utilized to help people. So as far as me, yes, um, as a military service member, I had my issues, almost lost my life as well. Um, And cannabis saved me after I got out where I was lost um, with PTSD anxiety um, from an accident that I suffered a concussion, lost the English language for almost 20 minutes, um, then got out and was in a dark cloud in my head that I didn't know what to do. Fortunately and randomly met somebody who introduced me to cannabis for medicinal purposes, which honestly, it was meant to be because I'm pretty sure based on my background, you know, growing up Christianity, you know, and being drilled that cannabis is a drug and XYZ, you already know the, the narrative there. Um, if it was introduced as something like we're doing it for fun, likely I may have not gone that route. But I met a grower like you guys who takes this very seriously that understand that whether you do this, you know, when you sit on the couch just or because you are um, looking to cure uh, to cure your cancer, or get through chemo or, or something like that, it's medicinal. Um, in in because at the end of the day we're doing it to feel better to get to a better mental state or physical or emotional for that matter. Um, so in that introduction, um, I felt so much better, like almost immediately, uh, mentally after three years um, of of being in that cloud. And uh, I decided that I would make this my mission. You know to to battle the misinformation because then I started doing my own research and one thing led to the next. And then, you know, the whole, um, if, if we're talking touching back on what doc was saying here, greed and just, uh, business, you know, people wanting to destroy other industries, obviously cannabis is something that people can grow at home. If you have land, you can grow cannabis and help a lot of people. So, I feel like people back in the day, you know, we have the paper industry, we have the plastics industry, we have all these other industries that wanted to make money and this crop is cheaper and, and to, to grow and it grows faster. Um, it was just a, a greed, you know, in capitalism that created that narrative that cannabis was bad. Obviously, you know, we cannot deny there was some racist undertone as well in denying all of that. So it's about, we're in the era of information. So I think with all the technology that we have right now and all the True anecdotes of real people like yourselves like myself that we can say, hey, I am alive and this happened to me and I have all this evidence and I am not the only one. Um, So that's like what we're doing with with veterans walk and talk with cannabis synergy, obviously you guys and I think the fact that we can come together to have these conversations and then um, Share it with our respective communities. I feel like because we're not lying. You know, this is actually the fact. Um, I think that we—it's gonna spread. So i am am very hopeful for the near future that we can um, continue to have these conversations, get more people involved. You know, um, the the in, in other in all the areas, whether it's science, whether it is um, entertainment, education, business, um, cannabis, pretty much touch, touches on everything. Um, and we, we have so much opportunity and I'm, I'm glad that we're seizing it. So thank you for having me here.
0: Doc, can you give your like returning from war and kind of setting up, you know, in Humboldt and, you know, growing medicine? If
1: that's what you want. Yeah. I mean, if that's what you want, Peter, I'd like to, to, I'd like
0: to hear your story and your focus on creating medicine for yourself and by extension medicine that then helped other people
1: well that's is, as and,
0: it's and, turning and, out that's and, what's, and, what I'm and so out. so as breeding like you know what have you noticed like oh i created this plant and it really helped me with x and i noticed that it had these terpenes or whatever like get into that stuff all
1: right all right are you talking about like right now or what
0: no no, no. like in the beginning and then kind of your journey of of uh like discovering that if I breed in this direction, like it helps me more with PTSD or pain or sleep or whatever. And you, you came back from what it was Vietnam, I assume, right?
1: Well, I'm the end of Vietnam. I'm the very tail end of it. I'm considered a Cold War Green Beret, what they call a Cold War Commando. I'm an unknown variable and have, have been up until about 2013. I was an unknown variable in the military system. Most military, quite honestly, 99.9% doesn't even know what we did because it's such, it's that behind the freaking scenes. Yeah. So long story short, I did extractions and then from extractions, I moved over to Europe where I was doing, working in Northern Africa, working in all all across Europe, fighting what we consider the uh, red menace, the communist bloc, that whole part of it, I did it two different times. And when I returned from that, I basically got kicked out in in Fort Dix, New Jersey as a 22-year-old, not quite 23-year-old, completely messed up young man that didn't have a clue because everything that I believed to be true and fighting for truth, justice in the American way, when I got overseas, realized that it was a bunch of bullshit after a few years of time, it was really hard for me to get beyond i was real angry when i came back you know and and why i isolated myself so much because i was so it was bullshit you know i knew it was bullshit i i saw it it, it, it crushed me you know, it really crushed me on a spiritual level and an emotional level and then to lose brothers in arms in in behind the scenes i was in a thing in 79 called eagle claw desert 1 was the attempt to remove the iranian hostage crisis iranian hostages ours people out of that building we were the group that went in the very first joint task force ever for the united states military the very very first one jtf 179 you know it's it was what spun the 160th soar off of that the 75th rangers marine recon all kinds of crazy shit stuff that happens within the navy now that was more from that original mission where nobody even knew about it you know we we Crashed in the desert and lost a half a dozen brothers, and I personally was on a team that was on the ground, and we had packed in stealthily from fricking Pakistan. You know, it's like to get where we were to be outside of Tehran, and then shit blow up and be told that we were on our own, and nobody knew we were there, and basically get your own fucking ass out. It's it's a it's a tough thing to swallow, you know, to be to be left, and we were left. And anyway.
2: Breathe, brother, breathe.
1: I've never joked anybody. You have any weed on hand, Doc? Of course. I've always <laughs> got weed on hand.
3: <laughs> I've always
1: had weed, you know. Okay. Anyway, You're all right. You're with Ben. We're family. all in our 60s now. You know, we're yeah, all in our yeah. mid 60s now. And I just realized that I have a brother that's down in Santa Cruz that he put, he was the one side of the team that the six of us, there was seven of us, you know, there was only seven of us on the ground. And we basically were just denied by our country. You're a
2: survivor. He's
1: still here? And you guys are dealing with it too, you know. You guys, there's nothing's changed. You guys come back and you're denied like we were denied in the '80s. You know, it's like I got out in '82. You know, after after a stupid six years and got out in '82, and all I really and I went in '88 just to get my ears because I couldn't hear anything. You know, and like denied, 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 and I see that happening again. And I and what. Peter basically asked me is what happened is like you know I I said fuck this and unplugged and moved off into the middle of nowhere by myself okay and I was getting getting flour from people you know getting flour from people that was okay but it was seedy weed you know and I was just starting there weren't any books back then you know we were just starting to figure out things you know and separating males from females and all you know I'm self-taught you know but now my now I have a breeding kit Cannabis breeding company that represents my flower line, you know, and my and my lawyers tell me I'm one of a handful of guys that do what I do in the world, you know, and I have <coughs> I have been pheno hunting specifically for over 35 years now, or, or excuse me, chemovar specific hunting for over 35 years on pheno specific types of cannabis, and it goes back to when what. Peter said, how, you know, I smoked the first joint in 70 and started growing my first plant in about 72, you know, and, and it was trial and error. And back then it was, you know, Acapulco gold and Colombian red and, and Highland silver tie coming over from overseas and things like that is what, and, and Mexican brown weed coming from down South, you know, so there was this influx and then where I'm at specifically just happens to be the heart of the Emerald Triangle, you know, where I, where I, grew up and where I found my sanity and what I consider my home and my sanctuary, you know, and it's like that moment in time when I was, it actually was in right after I got out of prison and I was the only one that was able to take care of my mother who was going through breast cancer. And I became her primary caregiver for about 16 months. And that was me taking her back to chemotherapy every day and dealing with her double mastectomy taking my mother that I love dearly and taking her in and, you know, getting this luck coming back at the end after chemo and having to deal with her being sick. And anyway, this old man back then was a young man. I decided to take old school hippie therapy and, you know, we worked where she ate about a quarter of a brownie, you know, and it helped me get her through her being sick part and keeping her appetite up. And, you know, a quarter of brownie when she went in and a quarter when she came out about a happy brownie anyway this was just how I started getting into the medical application of this thing and then for me for my own damage was I didn't even really know what it was to answer Peter's question I didn't even know what it was quite honestly, you guys it was I just knew that and you guys get it right that decompression that you get from a when you that you don't get from alcohol and you don't get from pills and you don't get from other synthetics and you don't get from speed or heroin or freaking coke or it, it only comes through this or plant. Even
2: meditating.
1: It's decompression is what I call it now. is you, uh, I and I've seen this and I've seen this with other men and women in the military. It's like go go be with them and literally a buddy of mine. It's like take a hit off a joint and literally in a in a combat bed thirties, good guy, lot, lot of tough situations in his military career turned into alcohol and painkillers and was hating him, hating his life, hating his world, literally a guy my age, a buddy of his, his big brother said, dude, you need to smoke a joint. Well, long story short, now he's using the plant, using the sacred plant for his daily, working on it every day to get better and better. That being said, him to me, smoking one of my joints, walking on Collins deal, Homeboy started crying, you know, laughing and crying. He said, You know, I haven't cried and laughed in over three freaking years, man. And that was to me one more verification that this is medicine, that this is a holistic tool that we can use a natural and we're like calling what I love about natural plant medicine. You know, pick it yourself, grow it yourself, raise it yourself. You know, make it, do it yourself, then you know where it comes from. You know, and I get not everybody can do that. Joanne, what you said, sister, I 100% agree with. I can teach people how to grow in a coffee can if they really want to know and get them an ounce of fine, fine flour off of a coffee can. You know? Yeah, you you start them off with the apartment. I just have a little two-by-four sun area in my back. You can do it. You know, there's bonsai, what I breed Mm -hmm. specifically now is I breed short structured plants designed for mom and pops to be cultivated in two to three gallon pots and yielding three to eight ounces depending on what your skill level is. So for a mom and pop to have, you know, like we're here, anyone over 21, six plants, you know, mom and pop with skills, 12 plants that's a lot of freaking flower if you know what the hell you're doing, or you don't even have to know what you're doing. Just be willing to learn how to do it, you know, and and what I teach now and have for years is how to grow your own, you know, me with what Cam and I are working on specifically is to get my flowers out. And, and he does such beautiful work anyway. I just, I'm so honored to even have an opportunity that he and I are getting to partner together. Just, you know, it's like, if I, well, I have, (laughs) I have picked a business partner is Cam Hatton, and I'm thankful for it, you know, and that's how I look at this, you know, it's like, if I was going to pick somebody, it'd be Cam, him and his wife, you know, what they do for their business model is so clean and so pure and from a point of love. And it's like, you know, just, you know, we're, we really try, we, and we're not out there, you know, that's part of people that don't know who high tide distro is, and they don't know who who, who I am. Yeah, I just sent. Flowers to a we lost a brother down south. I just sent flowers to their group so they would have something to use for their for their healing. You know, it's like he and I. This thing we're doing, we're we making agreements and he's aligning with other veterans nonprofits where we're gonna be giving flower away every damn month. You know, and we're not talking about giving away quarter bags, honey. We're gonna be giving away pounds of freaking flower white because we're gonna try and grow thousands and thousands of pounds of flower next year to put into this thread. Okay. That's what we're working on right now. You know, and, and 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 I love him so much and I have such tremendous love for Colin and sister. I'm so thankful for you to be in on this thing today with us. You know, I'm so I'm so uh-huh. honored that you're part of our conversation and, and and I'm getting off point here, but my cultivating flowers specifically was about 16, 17 years ago. I got in 03, and again, this is before a lot of people that like you before you were in this craft, you know, 17 years ago, most likely, you know, it's like in 2001, September the 11th happened, everybody shut down and internalized the market. It's a luxury based item. The market crashed. You know, I watched flour, my flower go from five to six thousand dollars a pound a copy to under three thousand dollars a pound. And it was still the three to three three to 3,200 hours a year it wants to take to make the damn thing get done full sun. This is before light depth, you know, this is before greenhouses, full sun, outdoor, just the way mother nature and God almighty intended it to be. You know, 20 footers, 16 foot wide, 20 feet tall, that kind of crazy stuff, right? That's how I, anyway, my old Lampard and I, between 03 and 05, the market tumbled, tumbled bad from, 33,000 or so, where I believe is a fair marketable price where a farmer can make a living is about $3,000 a pound wholesale. That's sort of a reasonable rate. There's a lot of money left at a $3,000 price point, a lot of money left for a retailer to make a killing when they're charging brothers and sisters, 25, 30, 35, 40, $50 a gram. I know my flowers on the East Coast on both ends of it and they get 35 to $50 a gram for my frippin' flowers. It's ridiculous. Okay. I'm getting way off on another tangent. My point is this portion of breeding, specifically you guys is this is what I've been working on for me specifically for two decades. In 03 03 to 06 I got was getting out of the market. Well, we grew so much weed. It took me three years to get rid of it guys, you know, and I just couldn't do it anymore because it was the same. I was working 12 months out of the year. I got my old school and people don't even know that, you know, my old plant was from a buddy of mine called old Dave. Okay. Old Dave, who has been gone for over 10 years is the original creator of the Razzleberry Kush. Okay. And Dave has been gone for a decade and that one of my mentors Well, long story short, My skunk OG plant that would just lay your ass out. It still does. It puts you on a couch in about 20 minutes. My friend, a very dear friend of mine that's a Blue Dream, the creator of Blue Dream, she gifted me a plant of female and I took as something to do because I wasn't growing. And she said, you need something to do here, smoke this. Blue Dream's a beautiful cerebral smoke. It's really good for clearing your head finding your balance it doesn't put you on the couch i don't know all the cbd thc but i do know what the effects are okay so her plant with my old dave plant which i call my og skunk okay what was called mendo skunk cam probably gets it because he's old enough to get it he knows what the mendocino peace plant was all about you know the mendo skunk that's one of my legacies, you know, I, I'm a creator of team of creators on a lot of strains that are unknown, the unknown breeders, of, you know, the Green Mountain Growers group before you guys, even before Cam was born, you know, it's like these, as my 40-year-old son sa- says to me, you mean before me, dad? And it's like, "Yeah, son, before you. Oh. <laughs> so that being said, that plant, that combination and 13, 14 years of breeding is what's releasing now is my, what I call my blue skunk strain. And that is a very much created for post-traumatic stress for with physical damage. This is something you can smoke that clears your head. You can smoke it or vape it, clears your head, clears your consciousness. And in about 20 minutes later, all of a sudden you go, Oh, my shoulder doesn't hurt anymore, man. And my back isn't aching anymore. Now this is just me. What's happened in the last two years is me taking that plant and getting it out to people across our state and across the country and getting the same results back from veteran brothers and sisters going, I'm getting the same results. And now in the last since the end of last year, since the Emerald Cup, now Breeders Best is my breeding company. They're, they're helping me with patenting and branding and, and that puts me in the same rooms with Ethan Russo, the neurologist cannabis guy in the freaking country. You know, it puts me in the same room with Sue Sisley, the woman that's leading the fight for post-traumatic stress therapy, cannabis therapy for veterans. She's the one suing the VA on our behalf right now, you know, and them to me, they want to be where I'm at. That's what I got in September in over in the earlier part of the year was Sue coming and searching me out with Dale so they could sit down with me, you know, cause they know that they're hearing about what my flowers are doing. And that's what I'm trying to get from this obscurity that I'm in this unknown variable. I mean, not, and I don't even care about me. It is not about money to me. This is about helping men and women helping brothers and sisters and <laughs> arms specifically military veterans, first responders, Anybody in crisis, that's what my thread is. And and I'm not, again, I get it. Yes, it's recreational. Yes, you can, but that's not my thread. My agreement with my breeding company is I can stay conservatively, stay 70% or more in the medical field. Only 20 to 30% of my flowers will ever hit the recreational market in very, very on a limited scale. I want to keep it in that thread. I don't want it to go that way. You know, personally, for me, it's about the quality of the flower. It's about that initial intake. You know, it's like something, again, where Cam and I are very, you know, we age weed for so long. People can't even get how long we cure our flowers. You know, they don't even understand it. I pulling out stuff. Exactly. Well, you, you can, sister, but again, you understand it. You know, and that's what I, I, I welcome and hope I want to see you teaching this out. I know Colin teaches this out about how to look at plants, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, it, it, how do, you know, how do we bridge that gap? You know, how do we get it out where, well, I'm hoping this is a first step. Now that, you know, you and I are in the same realm, it's like we have, you have, ac- sister, you have access to a grower in Humboldt County now.
2: I can't wait to go over there. because i feel like uh this is this is all in alignment i feel like we're all in alignment in our mission and obviously coming together would just give it more power and reach more people um that we're trying to help you know um this is like you said not for any personal agenda or anything like that like like i said earlier we can't take this lightly like if we have Um, This information that can help so many people, you know, that you guys are putting into work intentionally, you know, to solve all of our problems. I mean, even if we just talk to veterans, like we are doing such a service um, to our community, to our people that we know what it is in so many levels, you know, you don't have you didn't for a person like in the military, I know people that didn't get blown up, didn't get blown by air, aircraft jet blast like I did, for instance, but they went through other stuff that is traumatic, like it's trauma, you know, and uh, whether everybody. it's- Everybody. Absolutely, like, and like you said- Every you, military
1: person, I, I believe it's everybody. Be, you know, even if you were a desk jockey somewhere, man, or you know, or you were just looking yes. at a screen, Okay. I, I'm only yeah, saying exactly. this because I have female, uh, you know, I have daughters that are veterans, you know, I just know what mm-hmm. kind of harassment there was, you know, I just understand that exactly. kind of nonsense, so, you know, and, and that's the part, again, I was told, my girls knew how to whip your ass about the time they were about 16, you know, it's like, you want to smart <laughs> off to me, man, I'll pop you right in your jaws. Wow, you know? And said. that's how it, it, it's it is. It's important. It is. And I mean, yeah. no offense, Joanne, I call girls sister and, I want to get it out there you know we need to get this out there as a community you know you're doing it I know Cam's doing it Colin's doing it every damn week man I, I see what what walk and talk does all across the country the tremendous things that he's doing just reaching brothers and sisters in crisis and literally in the trenches. That's the part that I love about what Colin does so much. It isn't talking the talk. He is literally out there, seriously walking. Walking
2: in the walk. I'm walking right behind him. (laughs) He's definitely leading a lot of us. So
0: So just quickly, Doc, I think you, you, you touched on a couple of things that I think are critical. I mean, one, you were kind of like, learning on the fly about something you didn't even know about, like, you know, I mean, I think you, you, you had an intuitive sense that this was a medicine, but then you started, you know, breeding with intent in certain directions towards, you know, easing your physical pain, your mental pain, you know, different chemo types that maybe you started to realize, oh my God, like this super knock you out on the couch is great for x, but it 's horrible for y, and i 'm going to breed something else that 's great for y, but maybe not good for x um,
1: it 's what i 'm doing now peter
0: it's i mean it 's my right. focus
1: now you know I have more science behind it now, and I can actually you know, I can go in and look at the structural makeup of it and go okay i 'm looking for cbg or cb c b d v now, which is really what i 'm fripping looking for, okay. <laughs> honestly what I'm looking for so that's
0: that's where this right. has gotten but through. but 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 back in the day you didn't have that vocabulary oh, at all of, of no, no, CBD, no, a, CBD CBG CBN like uh whatever and, and so it's kind of it, it's interesting once you start to gain that vocabulary and meet people like Ethan Russo or Sue Sisley and you know I, I feel like now we're fast forwarded in a moment where you're armed with kind of a team of Scientists behind you who can articulate what you're all of you are seeing anecdotally, I think that 's the big thing here is you know pharmaceutical medicine is kind of top down a company spends a billion dollars to get something approved for a specific disease or condition, whereas cannabis is kind of bottom up where you have you know thousands or tens of thousands of caregivers noticing things with themselves and their friends. And initially not having a way to verbally articulate it, but I think now kind of the vocabulary is coming. And 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 uh, can, can you and Cam just quickly touch on what happens when you cure flour for a longer period of time in terms of medicinal effects? OK,
1: sure. Uh- this is again this goes back to what Peter just was talking about this goes back to what and something that I practice and I know cam practices and most of us here in the triangle practice is craft okay what I realized a couple of years ago and this is what we need to do as a community and another thing we need to embrace sister and something that you can do and Colin can do is we can teach out that white white dabs are not necessarily anything other than immature flowers okay the, 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 the rich, full-spectrum plants are amber in color, those that gold, browns, rich. And what I realized was, and I was talking to a, a mutual friend of Colin's of mine, because I asked him, what the hell, man? You know, where do I need to be if I'm going to go into that market with my flowers? And he wants full-spectrum, and he's literally told me this word for word. And, and uh, Colin, it was Blaze, brother. I was talking to Blaze on the phone and he told me this and he said that growers are harvesting anywhere from two, three and even four weeks early to keep the pistols white and the trichomes white and creamy so that when they crush it and smash it and turn it into whatever the hell they're turning it into it stays white and creamy and hence the visual impression is oh my god it's so white and clean it must be the best. That's like the farthest thing from the truth of the matter really is because when you get into like rso's and fso's and full spectrum concentrates they're gold and rich and full and amber colors and what peter was alluding to i believe is what he was alluding to is when when i'm in the field watching that i'm literally okay i'm taking 40 eight years of experience when i'm looking at my flowers in the field per se but i have a, a lighted microscope and a jeweler's loop in my freaking pocket man you know i only leave so much to sheer instinct i am go back into even when i'm sure it's ripe i still go back in and, and oscilloscope everything i pop my little lighted microscope in there and look at the trichome heads and see you know am i six and me okay my rule of thumb 60 to 65%, 70% clear, 20 or so milky, 10% red and burn off. Yep. That's me as optimum. Cam,
4: that that's about identical to what we do as well.
1: You know, so that the, the, what and to what Peter was talking about, full spectrum, you know, how do we know when it's optimum? That's what we go on. Most of the concentrate people that I've talked to and I've talked to a couple of guys who are really good at their craft. You know, they have huge followings online. They they produce lots and lots of material, and they're really good at it. And that's what they're telling me is that clear stuff that's the commercial stuff is being harvested way, way early. I think what we can do as a community, and sister, your platform, and Colin, your platform, brother, is teach out that what full spectrum really looks like. You know, this is full spectrum Full term. Look how golden amber it is. Look how beautiful this coat, this patina is on this. You know, I have a sister that just sent me some of hers from the middle of the country over for me to look, take a look at, and it's brown as it can be, and it is just delicious. You know, it smokes like heaven. It is immediately just washes right over you. You know, and and again a another warrior veteran female badass grower that I know that's a rock star, you know, and Sierra's just a freaking killing it, man, you know, and I love what she does. And that's just, that's again, her, what she teaches out and what I teach out and cam and, and I'm assuming you are sister and, and brother Colin, I assume you are as well, you know, about whole plant medicine and, and, and really what I, where it is for me personally is that's my main thread of trying to grow full term, full spectrum that has is rich in everything across the board, maybe high in some areas, but rich in everything across the board, because that what I believe is the closest way to heal ourselves naturally with it. And Joanne, you said something and Cam said something both about it, about the, you know, we have cannabinoid receptors in our bodies, you know, it's like we're wired for this stuff to think that it's not supposed to be in our systems just quite honestly ridiculous in today's scientific community medical community you know back and Peter you have said it earlier you know back in the 70s and 80s man we were outlaw you know we were underground nobody knew who the hell we were we only knew who each other were we didn't put our names on stuff we didn't advertise what we were growing you know you advertise what you were growing and you went to prison you know that's just the truth of the matter you know it's even happens now there's still red states in our union that if they advertise what they're doing they go to prison over it you know and it's like we're fortunate to be in the state of california why would
2: why would like um right now why do you think people are using the white stuff as opposed to letting it get the right color um ratio that you were speaking about um because so, so- i i do feel like the white the the lighter color is what i predominantly see especially especially like in the legal markets actually
1: that, again that that is the commercial legal market that it is not craft. what craft people do right. I mean, it's 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 harvested earlier and to answer his question is and you said it too already Joanne you already said it sister greed G- greed oh, and also lack okay. of education and you, can, you too. can do it quicker yeah. you can turn more you can turn more volume over in the same 12 months you know the twelve same 12 months that Cam and I would work in where we would try and do maybe three or four harvests just using the Sun and maybe a little light augmentation Doing a light depth mm-hmm. outside and full where, what we do, okay, three or four times maybe in a year. Commercially, every six weeks, you know, they're trying to get six, seven harvests in a year because, it, again, it's about greed and not about the quality of the flower. And I, and sadly, I believe, now I'm not 100% sure, and I'm only going on by guys that practice the craft. I'm not. I'm a flower guy. I'm not an extraction whiz. I... I you know, the, the guy that is, that I have connections to is a great extraction guy that I, that I ask information from. And that's what he's telling me is, you know, quicker harvest, quicker return, less time in the ground, you know, more, 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 cheaper, 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 cheaper. And we have that. I mean, we really have that. We have that market that they, they're $10 a gram. They don't give a damn what it is. They just want to get high. That's not my thread. That's not really Cam's thread. I don't think it's no. you guys have a newer thread either. I get that that's out there, but I believe what, what you said, what we, what we need to do is we need to teach that that's not necessarily the best.
4: That it's well, and different. We can also say best, but we can also say different because uh, when we look at the differences of those, you also have the people who insist that you have to have flour that's over 20% THC. And all of the research and all of us know that you use cannabis on a regular basis that some of the greatest strains are, you know, seven to 15% THC. And so we're having to educate people that more THC is not the end all be all of the product. And so and this comes back to where you were talking about full spectrum. We have to define these terms for ourselves before other, people's de- other people define them that uh, uh, have no business talking about it because they don't have the experience in it. So we're we talking full spectrum of an industrial hemp Are we talking full spectrum of an indoor grown clone that's harvested at a specific time? Are we talking about the full spectrum of a beautiful cannabis plant that was grown in full sun and full soil and allowed to go to the full term of its life expectancy, being buffeted by the wind and being predated on by bugs and and deer so that they respond and produce more cannabinoids and more terpenes? You know, there's all different levels. And so we have to start coming up with standardized definitions of these so people can understand what we're talking about. And when you spend all that time outdoors making these beautiful plants that the most robust, broad spectrum that you can, the better that you take care of them post-harvest, that once you harvest them, that's the halfway mark. Now you've got to start working on curing and making sure that you stabilize all those cannabinoids and all those terpenes, that you allow them to develop to their full potential while degrading the things in the plant that we don't want, like the chlorophyll. So, Doc and I both do super long, slow cures, where we leave the flower untrimmed on the stick for months in a dark space that is climate controlled, humidity, temperature, airflow. And I don't like to trim them first. I want all of those small sugar leaves to cover the trichomes and protect them like a cocoon and let them develop. And, and they'll it's like a fine wine or a fine tequila, you know, talking about the colors. A Blanco tequila is, is an unaged tequila. It's raw, it's fresh, it's young, it's hoven. But as you age the, can- or the tequila, just like the cannabis, it's going to develop more rich colors and you're going to get a reposado or a nieho style. And uh, the, the more that you allow the cannabis to cure, the more it's going to develop into new things. We're even discovering a new thing called hashishin, which uh, is prevalent in a lot of uh, handmade temple ball hashes or sharas when you seal that hash in, it still ages and converts. I have flour, I'm still smoking my pre-rolls from three years ago that are developed and they've just become so much more robust, but all of these parts of the plant that there's better things for better people somebody might need that that blonde uh ra- rosin uh that's got a lot of thca or cbda or cbga the precursor of acidic cannabinoids and then a lot of other people are going to need a more robust profile that has a lot more things in it because our endocannabinoid systems are extremely individual there's what 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 works for one of us won't work for another and so Um, we just need to make sure that everything that's going into the market is clean and tested and uh, uh, won't cause harm.
3: So yeah, as someone who spends a lot of time testing different things that can heal, because I'm a self-rehabilitated veteran, um, I wear that badge of honor proudly. And uh, um, with cannabis in particular, and uh, you know, I don't want to get too into the weeds with it, but You guys are hitting it on the head in such an important topic because for me, for four years, I have been trying craft cannabis to dispensary cannabis and everything in between. And I can tell you wholeheartedly now that the past month, every time I dab or take a bong load of a high THC cannabis, every issue I have is worse. My pain, my depression, my anger, my sadness, all is compounded and through my own personal research, which I like to do on my own, um, I have come to find that, you know, people with a proclivity to traumatic, with traumatic brain injury in their past, with PTSD, with brain injuries specifically, the dopamine levels affected by THC can ultimately hinder your own body's ability to make this. So what you're doing is you're spiking in and out. And when you take that bong load, you may feel a little bit of relief at first, but four or five hours later, your body is not producing the same levels of dopamine. So then you're crashing. And this was happening to me. And that's why I'm off THC. And I'm specifically just taking oils like Fidlose Greens, THCA, acidic THC now. And it has like night overnight, I felt better overnight. And um, so it is scary to me. And the problem with that is, and I come from the cannabis compassionate world, is that um, I have 200, over 200 active members of Veterans Walk and Talk throughout the nation who for one reason or another need cannabis to survive. And when you are facing them and they're coming to your hikes, and I have to try to provide for them on, on a weekly basis when we're, when we're really active. And all three of you have hiked with us and all three of you have donated to Veterans Walk & Talk. And so you know the need is great. What has happened now between the beauty and the elegance of what Doc Ray and Cam do, between that and dispensaries, it has gotten completely convoluted with greed. And what happens is you get 39% cannabinoids Um, on the label when that means nothing to the average consumer and then you get up people like myself who take the time to try every last product that they can possibly find because if you're putting it out in the cannabis space I want to know about it and I can tell you firsthand the medicinal side of cannabis has been completely convoluted by the recreational side it has set us back uh decades to be honest um the there's so much inequality there's so much back and forth bullshit with the the research and the denying of the research that goes on in cannabis when we know this plant works and we know it's we know it needs to be made accessible so you guys being the pioneers of this and and empowering people to grow on their own is imperative um because the need is so great i i can't turn away high thc products if i'm getting them i can't i can't be like this won't help my people i i can't i'm just not at that point because cannabis is the great unifier and it is also in in many ways for what i do for veterans walk and talk it is the healing basic basis of what we do but it's also in a lot of ways it's bait and it's a way to get veterans to learn that this is something that they can try, but also get them to the group and the community, because as I've said many times, cannabis is community. And <laughs> whether you're consuming it properly or not, you're getting medicinal value from it. All cannabis use is medicinal, all cannabis use is medicinal, all cannabis use is medicinal. So. Like, it's like saying basketball isn't medicinal. Yes, it's a recreational sport. You have fun when you play it. It doesn't mean it's not a good thing for your body. So (laughs) what I tell veterans, and you guys, thank you for all your praise about Veterans Walk and Talk. I have seen firsthand all three of you, uh, Cam, you hiked with us in Malibu, I think it was, or you you came and and sponsored an event in Malibu we did, and Doc, you hiked bridge to nowhere, and Joanne and I have been working hand in hand together for many months now and have big plans. Um, I have never seen anything, anything like it. It's, it brings people to a place of comfort with them within themselves. It brings people to a place where they can face like Doc did and say things that whether or not we are sitting around in a table, physically smoking together, cannabis is what brought us all to this place right now. And empowered Doc to share that for the very first time, and those are the types of that's a, it, that's as powerful as it gets with cannabis. My role in cannabis is compassion. Um, I want to advocate for the plant the way the plant advocates for me, and which is why I'm so honored to be on a bo- on a panel with you guys, who are because I know Cam and Doc specifically, and you guys can touch on this later, but um, getting an heirloom of a province de origin established in Humboldt is something that I'm very passionate about. And I know you guys have talked about this with me before. And um, with Veterans Walk and Talk in particular, um, it's gotten to the point where if you're a veteran and you're not taking control of your own health, then you're gonna fall under the VA. And the VA (laughs) for me, I am a 100% disabled combat veteran. I broke my moral code for this country. I I hurt people for this country. I um, watched my brothers get hurt for this country. And uh, the fact that we have to come back and take our own health into our hands is terrifying for many and hard. I'm having a baby with my beautiful girlfriend, uh, Cookie, who is a Navy veteran and worked with NATO and served as proudly as anybody. We are both covered by the VA. We are both unwilling to have our baby there. So we pay for private insurance, even though it would be completely covered under the VA system. If that doesn't tell you everything you know about the VA, I don't know what does, because literally, I mean, we're spending, yes, we're sp- am I spending disability money that's coming from the VA to get service outside of the VA? Yeah, I am. I'm using their money so I can get better care that they don't offer. That is so wrong. It is wrong on every level. The VA's motto is defining excellence. They have done nothing of the sort. Um, I lived at the VA for 11 months. Um, on the campus grounds when i got back from afghanistan i i tried i tried to do it their way i i gave it as honest an effort as anybody that i have ever met no one i in fact i barely rarely meet people that lived at the va for more than six months 11 months is like unheard of my 11 month tenure at the va ended with me in a padded cell at eleven months after all the healing I did, all the effort, one argument with my roommate, and I'm in a padded cell being shot without a van. All of that out the window, gone, out on the street. My stuff waiting for me when I got back to the dormitory. On the street, I was escorted by VA police officers. This was after being on a board of directors for the VA domiciliary in West LA. VA. I mean, I gave it an honest effort. I took methadone. I took. Um, I took wellbutrin. I took everything that they would throw at me just so I could be in my father's life and be a good veteran. And none of it worked. Cannabis, cannabis, coming to it like I did is what saved my life. So Veterans Walk and Talk's mission is simple. We walk, we talk, we talk about whatever comes to our minds. Cannabis usually being at the forefront of that. Now, um, mushrooms have been (laughs) an amazing healing component for, For veterans we we use it almost on every hike now there are several veterans that are partaking in in a in a a, you know in some form of mushroom therapy or at least learning about it veterans walk and talk has grown to be much more than just a group of hiking individuals as you all know like we advocate we grow we are we are just social justice warriors we are at the forefront of knocking down the fascist regime that's taking over our country. We are just doing all the good work. So um, I hope I didn't rant too much, but that's that's my piece for this. And I, I'm just very grateful you guys are touching on everything you're saying. So thank you.
0: Now, I, I think that's critically important. Like I I want each of you to kind of give concrete and and you just did it kind of, here's my personal journey and like, you know, I I think one thing you just mentioned was kind of you know you you come back to the U.S. and you're kind of pushed into the VA system and and the current state of the VA system. I'd like you guys to touch a little more on that and and is it changing? Is it stuck in some time warp that? You just don't have any hope medium term for. And then for each of you, it's kind of like you, you took control of your own destiny. And one thing, Colin, you just mentioned was like, you know, someone goes into a dispensary and buys the, you know, designer cultivar du jour and they smoke it and they have a paranoid freak out. And maybe they never want to touch it again. And you're like, Oh my God, that was, that was an opportunity lost because had that person tried something that is right for them, they'd start healing and, and they'd find something that helps. And instead they had this, you know, you know, anxiety-ridden uh, experience, which you seem to have. So, so can each of you kind of, and Colin, you, you just did a little bit, but if you want to expand on it, or Joanne, you want to talk kind of like what you started with, what you noticed, what you realized worked with you. And then that's your personal experience. And then each of you has experience with at least 10, 20, 30, 50 friends who are veterans and kind of just be specific, talk about, my friend Billy, like he, this was his journey. And this is what we learned on his behalf along the way.
3: Yeah, I mean, I- Because
0: these anecdotal stories, I mean, these are real stories of real people and what works, what doesn't work. And it's important for people to, to, or basically for us to document wins and losses. Right.
3: I will start, if that's okay, because I've been doing Veterans Walk and Talk since late 2016 for four years. Um, For the first few years, I was still struggling with a lot of issues and finding my way in many ways. And then Veterans Walk and Talk and myself, we really made a name for ourselves by driving to the VA and saying, I don't give a fuck what you think about cannabis. I'm picking your people up and taking them hiking, and I'm going to get them high. And if you kick them out, I will be at the door waiting for
0: them. To give them a house if you and, make and, them and, and this was at the west la va
3: west la va uh the chatsworth va i picked up veterans and also at several um out the va outsources like crazy so um several uh you know you call them shelters um in downtown la that i would pick up homeless veterans and take them hiking yes and they i can tell you i with with a few exceptions i've lost I've lost to suicide. Some of them I've lost to um, to further homelessness and drug addiction, which any anybody in this profession, it's, it's just you, you can't. There's 22 veterans a day dying. You're going to lose some. And and that's why we put ourselves out there. But the ones that that continue to hike and continue to, to garner what cannabis had to offer. I am still in touch with them. They're usually back at home with their families. They are working in the cannabis space now, lifted up by it in many ways, whether it be security or cultivating the plant, growing it on farms where they can seclude themselves, but they don't actually have to buy the land as, as Doc Ray was afforded to do and did many, many years ago. And it's what I want to do as well. So um, the 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 healing, like I, I have 200 members of Veterans Walk and Talk. If I were to put out an email questionnaire to them saying, what healed you better, the VA or cannabis, the, the, the results, I don't even need to do it. I know what the results are. The, the VA has dropped the ball. Um, now, it seems a little bit like it's getting better. You can talk about cannabis and maybe, uh, I'd love to hear Joanne talk about what she, what she discusses with with your medical professional because i keep it very i use plant medicine plant medicine plant medicine that's what i discuss but i have a permanent disability so i don't have to i don't have to i could say whatever i want to them basically as long as i'm not hurting people with the money they're giving me um but for for others you know it's terrifying to bring up cannabis use it's terrifying to talk about mushroom use i uh, we're having a baby cannabis you know it's nausea come on I mean morning sickness it it's night and day you you take some cannabis you don't throw up you don't take cannabis you throw up I just I don't need more evidence than that and um that's so the VA dropping the ball and an excellent book is the the ex-va secretary David Shulkin's book um it shouldn't be this hard to serve your country he lays it out as well as anybody um just explaining how he tried to fix it from the internal and how it's just it America we got to just admit that some things didn't work and we have to revamp them from the the ground up basically and I'd love to hear from Joanne more
0: what just before Joanne starts can you talk about I mean you're showing up unannounced at a VA facility and pulling people to go hang out and smoke weed like were there bureaucratic administrators at the VA who were supportive others who thought you were doing the devil's work like did they bring the MPs in to escort you off the facility like what were some of the re- the, the interactions with the VA staff
3: yeah thank you very much for asking that question I really appreciate that um yeah I ran into <laughs> the craziest of, of scenarios, picking a veterans up at the VA, which is a large reason why I can't do it anymore. And what was happening was um, my members were being searched at a higher rate in their rooms. Um, uh, the VWAP members were being um, harassed. They were being denied certain things. Uh, they were be- being given unfair curfews that, you know, you have to understand the places that I I was picking veterans up, they have to qualify for. For instance, when I lived at the domiciliary in the West LA VA, I lived on both the substance abuse track and the combat trauma treatment track. I was a homeless drug addicted veteran, but you have to interview for a spot. You have to qualify. You have to show that you're, have the initiative to heal or whatever the hell that means. And they turn people away. And so if you admit to cannabis use, you will just simply not get a bed. And so, yeah, they were being searched and fucked with. And my, I, I had to take into consideration that I am not a medical professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a licensed counselor. I don't have the protections that the VA has in place. So what I was running into was my most severe cases, my most severe brothers and sisters who I was picking up at the VA, I had to listen to what they were saying, but I also had to take into consideration that they were there for sometimes paranoid schizophrenia, for sometimes delusional thoughts. These are, and again, I had delusional thoughts. I still have delusional thoughts, but (laughs) um, I'm not, I shouldn't be hospitalized over them, you know what I mean? So when these veterans were telling me that their heat was being turned off in their room, which they were paying for out of their own disability, or that the water, and I have video, the water is brown running out of their bathtub constantly. And they're the only room on the floor that has this issue. You have to wonder, is it related? Is it related to the fact that these veterans aren't falling into line with what the VA is prescribing them? And again, these are veterans who didn't live in a treatment program like I did. I would never have been able to walk with veterans, walk and talk, living in the treatment program I lived in. Not a chance. I would have been kicked out immediately. The veterans I was picking up were paying to rent a place on the VA grounds that was leased to them. So the VA would lease the, the The building on the VA grounds to a company like Salvation Army or the Disabled American Veterans Association or IAVA or any of these and then they would in turn rent it back to the VA and then and so you don't even know you're in one building one second you're in a private institution you're in another building the next second you're falling under VA rule so there's really just no clear cut like for me why is it that veterans aren't given this alternative six months into before leaving the military. Why is Veterans Walk and Talk not, hey, you're leaving, you're leaving the military in six months. In order to qualify for the medical marijuana, the cannabis that we wanna give you, you have to go, or we suggest you go walk with Veterans Walk and Talk. Uh, you're, in, you're in a wheelchair, you're a paralyzed uh, veteran. So we will suggest that you instead go do Veterans Art and Talk go paint. If you do this, you will be given cannabis while you do it. Then slowly you will be released as as you go. But just giving veterans cannabis, veterans more medicine, that's not going to work. Alternative therapies, a new lease on life is what cannabis gives you. And we need to shepherd that in every way. And there's no reason why alcoholism, drug addiction, depression, PTSD. There's no reason why all these things we have to knock out before we come to cannabis. Cannabis should be the first thing. And then we tackle these things. So that's, that's what veterans walk and talk stigma is trying to break the stigma of. I'm denied, I can't see my son that lives in North Carolina. I have two step, step sons and a daughter on the way and a son in North Carolina. My son in North Carolina, I have not seen an old, it'll be a year in November because of my choices, because I won't take prescriptions, because I won't stop talking about cannabis and mushrooms. I, I don't get to see him. I barely get to Skype with him. If I bring up mushrooms or cannabis on a Skype, it's cut immediately. So <laughs> these are sacrifices that we have to make because we know, we know the truth of it. And once you know the truth of cannabis, you can't help but sing it from the mountaintops.
0: So, just quickly, the uh, neighbor is either cutting a tree down or doing something, but this is what you were talking about from David Shulkin. Let Great. me just Thank uh you. Yeah, that's a brilliant that. book. And then, uh, Joanne, you want to jump in and kind of tell your – I think it, it's basically your story of, you know, figuring out that this works for you and then specifically what works what doesn't work as some cannabis and uh form factors of taking it maybe don't work or are less effective or are adverse in the same way uh colin was talking about where it's like i had anxiety so can you kind of talk about your journey of discovery And, and, and then any friends who you have who you can talk about kind of their experience as well
2: yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely uh, share my experience. Um, I was in the aviation community um, here uh, with the Navy stationed in, in uh, Lemoore, California, working with uh, F-18 aircraft. Um, during my first deployment, um, working on the flight, that like I was actually blown by jet aircraft, um, uh, jet blast from the aircraft. And, um, long story short, it was a horrible accident. I, um, had a concussion from it and, um, couldn't speak English for, you know, about 20 minutes. Um, and, uh, Long story short, that created a whole bunch of problems. You know, from the main one that I could experience and could put my finger on um, throughout that time was besides the headaches and, and the back pain, it was I couldn't sleep um, for more than like two consecutive hours or um, every night. So I was waking up every hour, every two hours. Um, and that happened needless to say i still had time to serve i did nine months of physical therapy um, and went back on deployment uh and then in that deployment was where i realized that i my sleeping became a problem because we were working 12 hours and i still was up like 20 hours because i wasn't sleeping Um, and that problem, I literally was let out of the military because after that, I wasn't the same person anymore. So I didn't even want to be there, but, um, coming out, you know, that's when all the issues, uh, became more exacerbated because now I'm alone in my thoughts and, um, So I fell into the hands of the VA, I was not, you know, unlike some of you guys, I had not experimented with cannabis even before that. Very, you know, in college, I did do it every a few times, but it wasn't like a thing I had never heard of medicinal cannabis or using it. You know, I thought that I had heard of maybe glaucoma that you can use it for. And I thought, you know, it was maybe a joke. I wasn't even that's how disconnected I was, um, at that point in my life with it. And then I met, I met a person who was a grower. Um, and he was working towards, at that point, it was 2014 he was working on, um, a legal cannabis grow, you know, and I'm like, what does that even mean? Um, but even before we got to that point, he introduced me to cannabis, um, uh, it was actually RSO, he gave me a little syringe looking thing and told me take a grain of rice and I did it and I'm telling you right now that changed everything. I am talking about for three years I could not tell you who I was, I cannot. I had no clue um, and starting that regimen in or that becoming a routine, you know, before I went to sleep. um, Pretty much I, cannabis was able to help me sleep and that solves so many other problems, you know, Um, the pain with the the back aches, trying to sleep and, and all that situation. Literally within a month, I was already the person that I remember being, you know, before all these problems began. And I just made it my mission to make sure I spread this message however I could. I quit my job and became completely involved, not only in trying to figure out what worked for me, because I did, um, I know Doc brought it up earlier. Uh, There were, you know, some of the things, then I started experimenting with the smoking. Um, I quit cigarettes um, In Focused on cannabis and never had to pick that back up again. Um, And doing it with the edibles, with the, just trying to find out where I was. Um, I'm a flower person, I love flower, and that's what um, helps me the most to not only be functional, but also, you know, to manage pain, to manage the anxiety that arose from not sleeping for years Um, and just even my eating habits, it, I mean, it it was, it was just a situation. So I, I became so serious about it that I have a journal where I keep the names of the strains if I'm, you know, if I'm able to identify that strain and how I felt documented, you know, more of that for creativity, more of that for no pain, more of that to be able to sleep through the night, um, And then documenting to the ones who felt paranoid or fell, you know, draggy or whatever the case may be. Um, And from there, it's been, been, like I said, a game changer. Um, I know individuals in my circle who have, I have a friend, Dave, he actually makes a bomb at home from the plants that he grows. And I know people in my family My aunt uh, in the Dominican Republic. She's using the balm right now. She's diabetic. She suffers from diabetes. She's had it for ever. She had. She has a wound in her foot that she got. That it's gnarly. She's had it for ten years because of the diabetes. She's not able to heal. Um, And with Dave's balm, she already has in less. I am telling you, in less than six months. She's experienced, she already has a scab on it, which means that her skin is completely being regenerated. With the diabetes, the diabetes status is there. The cannabis bomb has been able to, uh, I mean, I can show you the before and after. Her, Her whole foot was in the verge of being completely engulfed in this. Uh, wound, because since it didn't heal, it continued to get infections and things like that. Um, With the cannabis, she sent me in WhatsApp this message this long, thanking me so much. I mean, my aunt is like in her 80s. So, you know, the fact that this thing was hindering her life for a decade, and with cannabis, what what medication was not able to do in years, a decade, in six months. She's already has like a normal healing process with her. And, you know, she's not smoking it. She's not getting, doing bong rips or anything like that. She is literally using it as a topical. Um, and that that's like one of the most compelling stories I have besides the fact that I cannabis prevented me from committing suicide. I was literally on the floor with a gun in my hands contemplating that um, when I met that guy um, that same week. And he introduced me to cannabis and here we are five years later. Um, And I wouldn't change it any other way. It was perfect timing for me. Um, It became a complete journey from there and here I am um, five years later um, having this conversation which I think is crucial for people to um, listen to and, and other people because you know you guys are just some people like in your area in the Humboldt County area uh, Lord knows how many growers have so much information.
1: Um, so it's crazy. It's crazy. You know
2: that- and we have to give people like, we have to give these people a platform so they can get this information out there. And I made that, you know, my mission to be able to contribute to that in, in that sense. Um, so I'm very passionate about it. Very thankful to the plan, to people that grow it like you guys, to people like Colin who, you know, create communities and and then infuse the message of wellness and just, being able to be stable, and the fact that it's okay to feel some kind of way, but here, you know, these are alternatives because I cannot take pills. You know, I, because of the headaches that I get from the concussion, um, they give me 800 milligrams of ibuprofen um, pills that I got to take. These pills are like this big. I can't even, it's, I can't do it. Um, You know, so, I one I sometimes had to like get creative trying to mix it with something else but still like with cannabis it's it's natural it doesn't hurt my liver you know because with big with big pharma um uh medicine it usually creates an underlying issue if you can if you use it for long periods of time so um I prefer the alternative that's something that's not gonna harm me. So I don't have to worry about side effects or long-term effects, Um, and then being detrimental to myself, which will eventually create another problem. Um, So like I said, I'm super thankful to be here. I know the power of the plant Um, is not even just for medical purposes, It's, it's for pretty much anything. But creating glass or steel. Other than that, we can use this eco-friendly product um, or crop to, you know, to help the world. So, thank you for having me here.
1: I think it's really critical right now too that the conversation that we all for having is this: we know this information, and and I think Joanne specifically is, how do we take what we've all know to be the truth is how do we get it beyond this point you know how do we get it to reach the masses where how do we saturate more Where and i and i don't know is it you know we maybe it is Pavlov's dog you know repeat it over and over and over again and eventually it sticks you know and i i've been preaching it for 40 years i'm not sure that it's maybe it's sticking now is it just generationally moved so much where so many people with a, this quasi-legal thing that we're in that are, are stepping forward because the states say it's are okay. You know, if we can get this federal ship to come, hopefully in the next 24 months, get this federal ship to come with the D-class on Schedule 1, where as it rightfully should be, that it does have true medical value. As a matter of fact, it's at the top of the pharmacopoeia of medical value. That's where we need to move this to, where we can get it to open where the ones that are still standing on the sidelines watching, the, and you alluded to it earlier, of, of fear, you know, f- mm-hmm. fear of, of repercussion of the unknown. It's here, too. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of on the tip of the spear here for cannabis because I have outed myself and put my face on videos and stuff, and a lot of my grower friends, as you said, sisters, the truth is about 80% of the best genetics in the world are within about a 50-mile radius of where I live. Right. we can and and, and i know well, the origin. bulk of them you know it's like there are a lot of them with what dale and i are doing two years ago they wouldn't even come to a meeting that when he met me up here in the redwoods they wouldn't come to it and this earlier this year in january on the radio i had him on the radio with me at k on K Mud, and the people there that wouldn't engage with me last year about the topic of Patent protections. What I'm doing. Plant patent protection, so people can't rip me off anymore. Okay, that's my absolutely. primary. Bu- yes, absolutely. It it is, and and that's mostly so. That's just one side of it. Is branding and aligning with CAM, so that so High Tide Distro can help get Veterans Choice Cannabis across the country. You know, we're going to blow Ca- 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 California up, but just when it's, the time is right, move it across the country. You know. That's the big goal right now, I think, is we all get the same kind of the same phraseology, the same verbiage. We're all saying the same thing, you know, and and, and I'm hoping maybe this conversation we can with the other leaders within our respective groups, we can get where we're all using like, you know, let's quit saying strain, you know, let's pick up the correct phraseology of chemovar or cultivar and, and, and to, to make ourselves and i know this sounds terrible but to make ourselves look more professional you know i mean to god i cleaned up today so i didn't look so shaggy you know and, and and that's kind of i know cam you know we already look like rough rowdy rough next to a lot of people anyway just because we look like wild old fuzzy guys you know and and we and we need people that can help us translate across where that you know, we're talking about chemovores and cultivars and even me personally in the last 24 months having access to and Peter led to that earlier. I have access to the medical professionals now where I can get the correct phraseology and I understand CBD and CBG and CBN and and things that I didn't know how to say that three years ago. You know, I got what it did and I could tell you, you know, if you smoke this man, I promise you in about 20 minutes, you're going to be relaxed and like the raspberry Kush, you know. And you alluded to it just briefly on that one. That is a true heirloom one-to-one cultivar. It is a full spectrum CBD THC rich, and it is literally about 15% THC. Most shops won't even want to look at that. But what it also is, is it's 15 freaking percent CBD, man. And you smoke that puppy and in 20 minutes, your ass is taking a nap. And I don't care who you are, how tough you think you are, how big you are. I'm six four and two hundred in my prime, two sixty. I'm about two ten now, but I'm six four and two ten, and my I'm, I'm big butt taking a nap in about thirty minutes on a nice joint. You yeah, know, that's how good it is. Too.
3: Yeah, it's so good. I love that strain so much too. Right, <laughs> and, and,
1: and, and, you know, yeah. and it's just again, it's nothing. It's nothing. To, you know the, the shops. Oh my God! It's not twenty percent. Well, it's not supposed to be. It's a medical cultivar specifically designed to. It was specifically designed to help with sleep. Okay, Doc. Have you had
3: the terpenes tested on that strain yet? Do you know the terpene levels? It's it's coming. Colin it's just you know I'm excited for that
1: brother you know I'm an old man you know I I know I know I'm I'm doing it by myself until a year ago (laughs) I was just you know I just growing badass weed and only a few people knew who I was you know I just know that that, variable that I
3: it has like that camphor menthol like almost like licorice end note that I'm just anxious to find out the terpenes that make that up man it's so good
1: yeah, yeah, I can wing it and kind of tell you just by the profiles what I think right. in it, but I I just literally so you guys get it literally, Joanne. This is how how slow I am. I literally less yesterday just set up oh, cam. You'll be appreciate this, brother. Set up my account with SC Labs to start having shit tested. <laughs>
3: nice.
1: And I love it because they wouldn't do it before. Now they actually come to your damn location and pick your stuff up, so I don't have to drive. So I'm thankful, sister. You know, it's like again, I don't want to really. I, I mean, I do. My goal is really my goal. So you, I want to shift it to the hands of my young brothers and sisters that want to learn the craft the way I do it. Well, I'm thankful to have Cam. What we're working on is aligning together where I can teach this out on mass scale so we can get it out there and let people have access to good information. But also for me to call call Cam and I are building that damn retreat. Okay, yeah. we're building that man. Good. You guys, we're, no more talk. I'm done of the talk, man. It's time to put your money where your fucking mouth is, man.
3: And Cam and, I, can,
1: can, can, and walk right. it, sister. You know, mm-hmm. and walk it. You know, and that's what Cam and My literally part of our conversations. We want to build it up because he, he he needs to ramp up his supply. He can't keep up with demand. Yeah. I I right. can't get mine out. You're hitting it
3: on the head, doc. It's like, we got to do it ourselves or no one's going to do it for us. Veterans Walk and Talk has held three retreats so far. And honestly, everyone has been successful, but everyone has been also a huge risk because Mm -hmm. I am taking combat veterans out into the desert, out into the woods with no insurance, no medical professionals, just the knowledge that I know I can help them and and doing it and so it does it takes people like yourself to just put plan put it into action because
1: no one is going to do it for us period we have an alignment we didn't have a year ago too Colin you know now we have Dale Hunt in our corner then Dale again you guys haven't been around Dale yet just a little bit He's like a brother to me I love him so much He's like he's the the premier pat, plant patent guy in the frippin country for crying out loud and oh, oh yeah he's a plant lawyer too oops yeah, but he happens to have a Navy son that has PTS and he loves my flowers. Right. Well, it takes people like you guys and
3: lawyers, honestly, and politicians to change the nomenclature of cannabis from gram dabs to anandamide from, mm-hmm. from, from taking, this can put you in homeostasis. Why does no one talk about homeostasis? Why does nobody talk about the fact that bong loads and dabs can spike you in and out? And yes, while you're spiking, here's your homeostasis level. You feel good while you're in that level, but you spike in and out. Whereas if you take it like intuitively, you can actually stay within that level and continually produce anandamide and stay in homeostasis. This is what we need to be talking about.
4: This is what we've been doing. It's, uh, I know you're I, d- right? I didn't set out to start a distribution company. I was making pot ice cream in the Virgin Islands 25 years ago because it made me feel good. and I just kept carrying on with the plant. And uh, we've been my wife and I, Shannon, we've been growing uh, uh, in under the 215 model in Northern California for over 10 years now. And we started growing CBD strains uh, eight years ago. We were one of the very first farms in the United States to grow CBD strains. We got our original seeds from Lawrence Ringo. And we started working with labs, trying to figure out what we had and what it was and trying to learn from all the people like Martin Lee and uh, Project CBD and Dr. Ethan Russo and learning all of this. And when I started growing CBD strains, when I take it into a dispensary, I said, hey, I grew this great flower outdoors, but it doesn't really have much THC and it won't get you high and nobody understood what I was talking about. And so we had to educate ourselves to be able to educate the purchasers when then we had to go and educate the customers so that they knew what was happening And so that just led us down a path of self-education to where we started doing free trainings. And in the last 10 years, I've been a member of over a thousand dispensaries. We offer free cannabis education to anybody who will listen. It'll be a group of one or a hundred or however many. And then in the meantime, we we want this information to be out there for free, just like we want the plant to be out there for everybody. We're building community. We're at this time and place in history where we get to create the universe that we need and that we should have. And it's for all of us who have been in the legal market trying to survive up till now, we are just now getting through the survival phase where we can start helping and institutionalize compassion, institutionalized community, create uh, community over competition, so we're all out there, linking arm in arm, telling the government, let Sue Sicily do her research. Let Dr. Ethan Russo use quality cannabis, and we don't have to use this shit from the University of Mississippi. Uh, but there's a lot of us out there, and I can't tell you how excited I am when I teach classes on acidic cannabinoids. I can go into a dispensary now, and I don't have to explain what decarboxylation is. I don't have to explain to the majority of people what the endocannabinoid system is. Now we can get to the fine-tuned things where you were talking about the dopamine and serotonin levels in somebody. We know that uh, a good level of CBD combined with THC and the other cannabinoids and terpenes helps balance out serotonin, dopamine, and other neurotransmitters so you don't spike, so you don't crash. And a lot of the problems that people are having are because their endocannabinoid system is out of whack. And but we are we're making a lot of great improvements on the education level in the country, and it's just all of us getting out there and telling our stories and talking to everybody. You know, my dad's a 100% disabled Vietnam vet. He was blown up in country. He was a Marine Corps infantry officer, and uh, turned the entire right side of his body into chewed bubble gum. And he spent a year in a body cast in Japan. Uh, before he came home, and uh, I grew up with uh, him medicating with alcohol and pills, and, uh, you know, he was a great dad, he was my scout leader, but he was always in pain, and he was always suffering, and be damned if you tell him about post-traumatic stress, That you know, that doesn't happen to Marine Corps infantry officers, damn it, um, but, uh, you know, I learned at a young age, don't sneak into the house. If I've been out late, come in loud and proud, Otherwise, you're going to wind up on your back after you get right inside the door. Don't sneak around. Um, But I grew up with disabled vets and watching all of them self-medicate. And then myself, I self-medicate. I grew up in a very conservative Christian family where, you know, dope was for losers. You don't touch that shit. But we drank ourselves silly. And um, when I got out of the Marine Corps myself, I was studying for law enforcement and I was burning out fast. I was drinking myself to death. I was working in bars so I could fight without going to jail. Um, and uh, the very first time, the day I got in the Marine Corps, I, uh, I smoked my first joint. And just like Doc says, I was able to just go, ah, I don't have to be on point. I don't have to have my back to, uh, uh, against a wall looking at the door all the time. I don't have to be on alert and always, you know, vigilant. I can take a deep breath and I can slow down and I can unclench my fists. And uh, yeah, this plant's amazing and I-, I can't get enough of learning about it. And we-, we wanna share it. And this is what Doc and I are talking about. I-, I started talking about the distro company. We started creating our own distro company because nobody could talk about cannabinoids and CBD, CBDA, whole plant medicine. Um, like we could. And so we started representing ourselves and offering free education with everything we do. We'll we'll offer free classes to anybody who will listen. And we started finding other small family farms and product makers and brands that were running into the same problem. Small craft family run heritage legacy you know, um you just oh, yeah. Yeah. So what we want to do is be that personalized. We want to tell Doc's story and have uh, Doc show up and explain what he does. We want to make sure that the people who have done this for decades and generations have a voice and we create the community that we need. I can talk forever about that. <laughs> well said, so, there's, there's A lot of people, though, there are a lot of
1: there. I'm just one of thousands here join you you nodded and you get it within a 50 mile radius of me there there are hundreds and hundreds if not thousands of small craft mom and pops that have true one of a kinds that people don't even know about you know if you're not in their circle and get access to the 10 pounds that they create every frippin year because that's who i am you know i don't grow 100 pounds of weed i grow five pounds of weed you know but i grow five pounds of different strains for myself that's what i've morphed into with this is getting into a position now what what and again what cam and i are doing is like we tried to contract people to do it this year and they couldn't do it you know so what again i'm a first through the door motherfucker man and that's who i am you know i've been kicking in doors for that. a long time and i'm kicking in doors with probably the toughest cat in this state as far as distribution that i'm aware of who is also a door kicking old guy too and we're going align with people that want to get this thing out there and we're going to make it happen ourselves. Cause I get what Colin was saying earlier. It's like, we have to do it ourselves because you know, again, walk the walk. It's like, get out there. We, we tried to contract people to make it happen and we couldn't get it done. So we're going to build it ourselves. And that's just basically and in, and in me and in our alignment is that's what, again, I think with you, you know, it's everything is coming together for a point here where we all are intertwined with each other now, where we know each other, where, you know, you need access, you reach out. You know, we need to get to your, your market. We're going to reach out to you. The, these kind of things where we can all expand right. what we're doing for the greater good, you know. for the. You hit it on the head, Doc. It's about access, access, access,
3: access. If I give somebody your pineapple berry kush and it helps a veteran, I need to ensure that they can access it whenever they need it because they don't need it just every now and then. And so it, kills right it, right kills me, it kills me. It kills me, Carl. 70% of Californians don't, California.
4: don't I mean, have I, I access to, to cannabis, cannabis you know, within an hour. With my five pounds or yeah. 10
1: pounds, it just goes away. You know, it goes so quickly So I want to get it into the hands of people like where I don't mind being part of it, but I'm too old to do it myself. I need young sure. men and women that want to get their hands dirty and want to learn how to cultivate cannabis to come up to the middle of nowhere in the in the wild woods in the mountainside with me and and the guy the other bearded guy and you know he me more than anybody you know we're building a thing together but it's like I I get what he's doing where he's at in Sonoma to where we're where we're looking at up in northern Mendo and southern Humboldt you know that's a three-hour gap you know it's like I have people that are vet again other veteran growers that are going to they're I've already told me that, that are good at their craft, that want to learn underneath me, that are willing to come from where they are around the world to come be right. a part of this deal.
4: And it's We want so to share important. this information for free. We want to make sure that everybody has access. We want to be educating people, especially veterans, to come into the industry and have a level of education. We want to make Anybody sure that everybody has listen. access to continuous medicine. And there's no better place for to us.
3: For veterans, there's no better business that I can suggest to veterans to I go work in, in cannabis. Yeah, it's the best. Absolutely. Right now. I, because
2: even the act, the act of growing is therapeutic.
3: Yes.
4: Oh. Getting your hands in the soil and touching it, getting connected to the ground and putting your hands in the soil, that plant will tell you everything she needs. She will be on her tippy toes smiling when everything is going well. She may be looking away or drooping a little bit when she needs some water or love or attention. But that connection and that love with that plant is just, it's very important. And I think everybody should grow it. Cannabis is an amazing, phenomenal from the bottom up medicine. And it grows on trees. So why can't we make sure everybody grows it? If somebody, your friend can't grow it, give them some of what you've grown. This needs to be for community exactly. from the ground up. Everybody should have access. Everybody should be able to grow it. Everybody should be able to sell it as long as it's tested and clean. But this, this needs to yes. be, none of this trickle-down bullshit. This is from the ground up. This is what's going to elevate the community from one end to the other. This is something that everybody can do.
3: Amen. And it's, it comes back to like, what does a farmer look like? What does a scientist look like? What does a veteran look like in this day and age? It can be anyone. And if you can empower yourself in these amazing, amazing ways to heal, not just yourself, but your community. And I, I, I hear a lot of whispers and I want to pose the, to the question to the group uh, is, and I know you guys have tried uh, to do many things like this, Doc and Cam. But something I'm hearing kicked around right now through the Veterans Cannabis Coalition is an HGA, a Home Growers Association, where you are empowering people to grow in their closets, grow in their backyards, and then they are enti- they are able to gift that a certain amount of cannabis away, so that there is never not a need. I know this is difficult, but it is a start. What do you guys think? There's
4: there's small it, it's going like on this already, especially here in Sonoma County. We have several uh, cultivation groups that are people who got pushed out from 215 into 64, and they all rally and share tips. They meet every Tuesday in Sebastopol, and they grow six big ones, and it's free information. And we're trying to create that community where we can share the information where this is this group that you can access all their resources online for free, even if you're in San Diego or you're up in Humboldt, you can access this group. And we're trying to do the pay it forward, my knowledge for you sharing the knowledge to them sharing the knowledge. So all of these little groups are there. And we're just now getting to the point where we can stick our heads up and see who we who we have. In fact, here in Sonoma County, we just founded mm-hmm. the very first cannabis grain hall in the United States. And this is a traditional agricultural group. We have lobbyists, the, the, two lobbyists in Sacramento and a national lobbyist. Mm-hmm we're all in the infancy stages of these. We need to get the granges going in every single county and system. These are community halls where you can share information and have classes and hold events that we can do outside of any traditional market where it's designed for community and farming. Um, And then finding Everything downstream where this can go. But we're, we're just now getting out of this shell shock survival mode from 64, and we're still battling every day. And I know it, it, it's we could say it's greed in the industry, but speaking, of, I, I, I do cultivation, manufacturing, and distribution, and we get fucked every step of the way. It's yeah. This is the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, and every day it's demoralizing. In fact, I, I use a great Marine Corps motto with all of our crew, embrace the suck. embrace the suck love it wrap your arms around it and every time they fuck you you say thank you sir may i have another and we're going to beat them at their own game we're winning in every district where there is no delivery no cannabis allowed but we have to show up we have to be at board of supervisors meetings we have to be at city council meetings you got to show up to sacramento you got to tell you know old aunt bessie who is a staunch anti-cannabis person explain it time after time well, my dad—he never touched cannabis his entire life. He was very anti, and I just had to go home last month and help him get his leg amputated um, oh, above man. the knee. And uh, he has been anti-cannabis his whole life, and the VA has—he refuses to go to the VA from the treatment he got there. And he was in pain, and he was uh, having issues with opioids, and life was miserable for him. And he finally, after 20 years of us debating on the efficacy of cannabis, he. Allowed me to give him some cannabis to try, and it was the first night he slept in in years, he said. And so, if we can convince that old man that cannabis isn't the you know the devil's weed, and then we can convince other people, we just have to meet them at their level of understanding and give them enough digestible information and share the resources where we get it from. Don't come out and yeah, say man. cannabis is going to heal the world, fantasy. It does everything. No cannabis slows your body down so it heals itself and this is how we know what it does and just break it down into simple conversational things we do more sharing our stories every day to people we meet than you know a lot of other outlets so we just need to make sure that we're creating other people to go out there and share their stories we just need to create good stories that can be shared
3: the bottom line is our country through jim crow through segregation through the war on drugs through everything did a really, really good job of putting cannabis down, like a good job to the point where people like your friend of 20 years, it's ingrained that it's bad. It's bad, it's bad, it's bad. We need to do an even better job than they ever did of
0: unifying, creating communities,
3: and and speaking our truths, like you're saying. Couldn't, couldn't have said it better, Cam.
0: Just quickly, it it seems like, you know, we've been talking about kind of the grassroots and the momentum from the bottom. And, you know, I, I view it as like, a you know, a, an iceberg kind of it's moving in a direction and whether it's moving too slowly is a moot point because it's happening like you guys are going to touch more veterans and we'll touch more and more and more people will try it and then become evangelists. But Let's talk about the other side, which is the top down. We touched on the VA. Can, can you guys offer some tactical ideas? And not just the VA. I mean, think about it. each of you are in different branches of the military. So how do you put pressure on them? Is there like one individual who's blocking progress? Is it, you know, for example, like if in a county, the sheriff is- Mitch
1: McConnell. Mitch okay. McConnell is blocking progress. That's mm-hmm. who's blocking
0: progress. Because he loves hemp and not cannabis.
1: The, 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 the bill is sitting there. Again, where's, it, where's the holdup at? It's, it's sitting right there. They're trying to vote on it right now to, to, to turn it in, to, to decriminalize it, to take it off the regulation. And it's getting voted on. They just said they're voting on it sometime in the next couple of weeks, I believe. But it's got to get past McConnell's desk. That's right. the truth of the matter. And, this, and I only said that to say this. It is small grassroots. And how do we do it? You change your politicians. If they're not pro cannabis, you vote their ass out and you put a pro cannabis person into that seat.
0: And and that's what I'm getting at, which is, you know, if in a county, the sheriff loves doing raids on cannabis farmers, well, that guy comes up for re-election every once in a while. So thinking of all these different groups that we need to change the VA is one. So my question is like, is the VA a monolith where like the West LA VA just has to go by the orders of the national VA or is each local VA its own kind of silo of decision-making where they could be a little more tolerant or a little less tolerant?
1: I, I will, I will address that personally. Uh, it, it is specifically that, it depends on where the, the specific community-based mm-hmm. outreach program is at. Here, here, here where we're at is uh, the Seabock and Eureka specifically, like my physicians there, my primary care and the people, they all know I use the plant, I don't take synthetics. You go to another state where they don't have the same kind of compassion laws or depth of understanding like we do because this is a Humboldt County freaking facility, that's a lot of what it is. It's, it's right down to the personal level of what the, how the doctor interprets how the bill is written and how the regulations are written within the VA. It's, but again, depending on where you're at, it's up to personal interpretation of your freaking position. But my personal primary care, literally the last time I was in there, he's asking me about what I'm cultivating, okay? And this is all happening in, in just the last few years. You know, I'm going to say it's not immediately, So, I'm, but I'm going to say in places where they're not in the w- middle of the Mecca for cannabis in Northern California, then obviously it's going to, you're not going to get the same kind of pro approach someplace else. I believe in places where compassion laws are in place, where the doctors can talk to be- about cannabis with the veterans. It's tough because if you're rated and you're not 100% secured in your rating, they can mess with your rating and take your money away from you. That's a serious consideration for a lot of people. Colin's not in that boat. I'm not in that boat. You know, it's like, we're, we're beyond those points where we are with it, but there was a point where it would have affected me too. You know, it's like, I have to be careful. You know, it's like, we all have to be aware of what the laws are around us, not, not expose ourselves to any kind of risk. If you're not hundred percent sure, <clears throat> don't expose yourself. I believe we have enough legal people around us now, civilian legal people and veteran lawyers to get advice from where it isn't going to cost you 250 or a thousand dollars an hour to find out if it's safe for you to talk to somebody in your state that's part of the other things we need to start be working on i believe as a group okay so this is these are things that i think on a broader national level that we need to be because california again we're all west coast man we're living this bubble out here you know we've 20 whatever 24 years of medical cannabis now it's It's just that so much has changed in, in, in where we've been in this thing for so long, where our doctors are, t- are way more lenient in the North. May I don't know about the Southern half of the state, but you get North San Francisco and coming up, it, cannabis is a way of life up in the Northern half of the state. You know, I mean, it's just how it is. It's like, I, I believe all our doctors are, are understanding of it. Maybe not completely receptive to it, but at least sympathetic of it. Yeah. You know, in and, and, I know Colin's experience with with LA and stuff is again a different portion of the the state and just a different mindset of the doctors so it's going to go down to what each individual doctor is within your VA best advice don't say anything about your cannabis use until you're 100% sure you can you know unless you live in a community like where I live out or you you know your doctors are 100% pro cannabis and they're not going to put it in your records because you put it in your records you're screwed right now and again it boils down to We got to get Mitch McConnell to either out of the office or change his mindset and get this bill change on schedule one. The schedule one that is that's no medical value is bullshit. And we all know it's bullshit. And we need our medical professionals, our scientists, our legislators. And again, if they aren't pro cannabis, then vote them out and put somebody in who is pro cannabis, because this is, again, I hate to be this way, but this is about control and greed and corruption, and that is the truth of the matter. It's a, it's everything, you know. Keeping keeping the masses under control, incarceration. It all ties into it. How many how many how many non first offenders are in federal prison over cannabis? You know, it's like it's just freaking ridiculous. There's people that instill the was that the last last prisoner project that is Steve D'Angelo's project. Isn't that what that one is right? It's ridiculous over over joints. You know, it's like 25 years for a freaking joint. Are you out of your fucking mind? What the wrong is in this country? How does this, you know, how do we do this? You know, it's like, I'm getting on kind of off point here a little bit, but this really is what it boils down to is we have to vote with our conscience. We have to, even if you don't tell people you smoke weed and you use that plant, you need to talk to your politicians and vote for those people who are that way. And if they're not, don't vote for them. You know, it's like here, the Trinity County Sheriff last year, mom and pops with 30 to forty, fifty thousand $50,000 worth of paid permits with their papers in their hands, having federal agents kick their gates in and go, we don't care what your damn papers say, we're here to knock your plants down. That's bullshit, man. Well, that's an elected official. That's an elected sheriff at Trinity County. Vote that son of a bitch out and put somebody in who is pro-cannabis. That's how All it works sad. here how it works so, here. Our county, our county sheriff is 100% behind mom and pops, 100% behind what we do here. They won't accept the funds. They don't allow it to happen here. It's a long time coming. You know, been handcuffed, been pepper sprayed before. Wasn't that way 20 years ago, you know, when the laws first changed in the, early, in the late 90s, it wasn't that way.
0: So so, th- so, there we're talking about kind of elected officials and voting them in and out. I, like, a, I, I'm going to take the concrete example of the West LA VA, where it's not elected doctors, it's not elected administrators. Um, Colin, would it be possible to create, you know, if veterans in different municipalities created lists like could we create lists of the doctors who are kind of on staff at the VAs and then have some sort of constant trying to outreach to them and invite them to local events and see if they'll, you know, cause it just takes one domino to be like, I'll come to that event and like meet and listen and talk about medical and cannabis and I'm a VA doctor. And then he goes back and tells like, one of the other VA doctors at West LA, like I was at this thing and it was actually pretty interesting. And, you know, you're, you're just moving mindsets a little bit at a time.
3: Yeah, we, we try and that's, you know, exactly what we, strive to do it veterans walk and talk with no um nonprofit flag with no business license so that we can just subvert from the inside you can't go to a va in southern california or oklahoma and not find veterans walk and talk literature we drop it off routinely i have people who do it for me um, but the fact of the matter is like what doc said is that as long as veterans are too afraid to talk to their medical professionals about cannabis there are going to be no chances for medical professionals to leave the grounds to learn about cannabis because their jobs are at stake as well. The flip side to that is UCLA, I know for a fact, has partnered with the West VA to do more research on cannabis. Um, they have the Canna Club at USC and UCLA. I have personally been to UCLA, run uh, operations several of them um cannabis operations and i can tell you i can tell you wholeheartedly that uh they're lacking um i've been one of them was was up to par the other one is just embarrassing so but you're 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 right on the money um you know the va works based on results so as long as they are showing some kind of result in a field that field will continue to get funded which is why they make us interview for a bed and that we have to actually qualify for because then our position is more likely to fruit them a positive a positive outcome and therefore they will get more funding Um, so yeah, it's, it's from the top up. That's where it has to be. When you have, like I said, again, people like Shulkin writing books, entire books about how they tried to change the VA and couldn't do it from the top down, you know that a subversive movement has to, has to take part. And with Mitch McConnell and the MORE Act and all that stuff, the VA, the VA it's all, all lumped into the same thing. The fact of the matter is that Americans are incapable of admitting that we got something wrong to the point where they are terrified of having to admit that these people were behind bars for the wrong reasons. They are terrified of having to pay reparations to these people once they are out. They are terrified of generational conflict that they will have to face because of families uprooted over single plants, single joints, quarter ounces of cannabis. These are mistakes that America made. They're mistakes that they did to their own people there are mistakes that they need to be accounted for just like they were accounted for Vietnam and they accounted for they need to account for Afghanistan and the fact that they keep us there just to make money so these are all top down issues and until we vote the people out who are afraid to admit that they've made mistakes the mistakes will continue to happen because there's no accountability the it's okay for us it's okay for us to say the VA needs to be reworked. It's even okay, especially from a combat infantry veteran who killed people for this country. It's okay for us to say that the constitution needs to be rewritten. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with looking into our roots and finding what worked and finding what didn't and taking it and making it better. America is scared to do that. So our health institutions, particularly the VA, they're terrified to empower veterans in a health and wellness manner because they know for every veteran empowered, every veteran healed, they are butterfly affecting 10 more. And that's all, sorry. <laughs> my, mushrooms, my mushrooms kicked in. So I'm just like, yeah, baby, let's talk about the VA. <laughs> and if you're wondering what guy mushrooms looks like, it's like this. Uh, no, it's not. It's like this. <laughs> silly.
0: I think what we're doing here is kind of part of what we're talking about, which is we can you know th- this conversation will reach veterans who will be impacted by see watching this conversation and then we'll also reach bureaucrats and decision makers who will be impacted and I'd like to put you know, more and more pressure on that front and be really tactical. And it's good to hear, like, for example, it's interesting that that you hand out literature, like, do you notice that administrators are coming and like, throwing the the pamphlets out? or, Or are they, like, has there been a transition where they're allowing it, and they're cool with it, and they're actually happy you're doing it, versus like, three years ago, when maybe they threw it out as soon okay. as they Three saw it
3: yeah but it's all hush hush still even 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 now i mean i have to take the cannabis leaves off my logos to do this and stuff like that uh every now and then like oklahoma to be honest um as as progressive as as we want to pretend we are in california and as, as far as cannabis goes oklahoma is doing a great job of shepherding the it best the in masses. the
1: country right now and, yeah, yeah that's, that's really i agree It's the best yeah
3: and so in Oklahoma they have no problem at the VA putting my logo up and literature up that's not been an issue but here in West LA because cannabis use is still uh it's still a dis- disqualifying factor to get mental health treatment so they won't you know they they don't want to they they call it like you know you have to clean yourself completely before we will let you get here, which is just absolutely impossible for most people. And is also why most people in the rehab centers at the VA look like me and are white guys who they think will do well, and are they're not actually given the help to the people who actually need it because of drug use and and racism. So that that's all we could do two hours on that as well. So I, I saw veterans die. I saw them die at the VA in my arms that my brothers who I I didn't fight with, they were Vietnam vets, older African-American gentlemen die on the steps of the fucking, the home that I lived in because they weren't allowed access. We, We would trace their body. We would put flowers out there for them because we had no, we didn't, they were there one day and they were gone the next, just like that.
1: It's what's wrong, it's part of, it. and Colin, you say we have to own our mistakes, and we don't do it as a country, and it's a part of what we're in this mess that we're in right now, currently, it breaks my fucking heart, and it, but part of, I think it breaks all of our hearts collectively, of what we see with our brothers and sisters that have, you know, signed a blank check at some point in their lives, saying, up until, and including my life, I'll do whatever it takes to defend our country, mm-hmm. And we don't honor what it's supposed to be, and that's not this. They're not supposed to be on the streets. there's are not supposed to not have access. You know, I'm a big believer of how we treat the least amongst us. It's you know that's my my God. That's how my God looks. You know, and 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 that's how I approach this thing with with. Who I try to be around, you know, and who I try to share with, and and I didn't quite honestly understand it until the last couple of years of the outpouring of, of the lack of access to what I do and what brothers and sisters that I have in my community here, this small little bubble, this utopian ca- cannabis bubble that we live in here in the Triangle. That, you know, th- it's here. We need to get it beyond them being scared. And afraid that they're going to have it taken away from them, which is their ultimate fear. You know, it's my ultimate fear is to have what I've worked my life on taken away. And some I'd rather be at a corporate cannabis company than freaking Monsanto or Dow Chemical or... Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch—you know it's going to jump in as soon as the federal thing changes. They're all going to jump in. And-
3: You're absolutely right, Doc. And so many yeah. veterans still, like Joanne. I was just going to throw it to you because we talked about this last time I saw you. Don't you? We still receive medicine from the VA in order to just keep them off your fucking backs. Yeah.
1: It's 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 a it's a, it's a weird time right now. You know, there's there's a lot. I, and I realized, this, you know, I realized that earlier this year, because people were asking questions about what the rules were for like, I'm, I, I didn't realize it, but I'm the guy they're getting references for, for the city of Arcata, for the edible edibles guidelines of what milligram dosages are. They're asking me, you know, and I was like, <laughs> there isn't somebody smarter than me, you know, that whole thing. And they was like, well, you know, you've been, I was like, all right, this is what I recommend. And I'm, again, very conservative because I believe. Personally, as a caregiver, because that's my primary focus for the last 23 years as a caregiver of this of the sacred plant is to always under-prescribe so the experience is an uplifting and enjoyable one, and they can always add more, but it's hard to take this away if you over- Well said.
2: So then they were asking the right person then <laughs>
1: about the yeah. million. Well, I, I really- <laughs> Yeah, yeah you well, that's what they said. You control that's what they it said. if
2: you start-, you know, you start uh, Smaller. If you go all the quite, way,
1: yeah, then you got to. That's the yeah, consensus. Was that Joanne? that's really is there? the consensus, hon. That really is it. You know, it's, 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 uh, we can add more. You know, and that really because I have friends like, oh man, two and a half milligrams—that ain't shit. You know, I was like, I get that it isn't shit, but someone that's never, ever, 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 ever ate this before, two and a half milligrams of a certain kind of compound in this plant could be almost too much for them.
0: Right.
1: And me old school was, you know, my friends, because I, I, I've I've shepherded a lot of people into the, into the plant over the decades. My friends that would be around us that didn't partake, you know, I have a dear sister, I love her very much. You know, like family is like very important to me. It's like giving her, you know, everybody, all my buddies, you know, and their friends and the, even the wives that were doing, you know, a whole freaking brownie, you know, and everybody, can I have a brownie? I like. You know, break it in half, and me again one more time here. I'm going to break it in a quarter here. You start with this, and you come back to me in an hour. And if you stop, then if you want more, I'll give you more. And of course, an hour later, can I have more? I was like, oh, of course, you know. But I want to make sure that you're okay and comfortable with the transition from being where you are awake. And people don't realize how special and how clearing this plant is to your mind. We do as damaged. Again, we as veterans, because we're all damaged on some level when we when we do embrace this plant, at least how I perceive it is there's this clearing what you get it from it Joanne calling what you get from it that now that you're dialing in that you don't want THC heavy plants man that you know you
4: can just
3: for now I was just saying just for now I will definitely get back to THC
1: at some point but I, I just know I need a break Exactly, that. exactly. Yeah. And and what, again, here's what Cam does specifically, again, why we're partnering together is he's been embracing non-high THC strains. Full, let me rephrase that. He's been embracing full spectrum, correct heritage craft balanced strains the way Mother Nature intended them to be. That's what I see where we create this market or this niche or this veterans community awareness yes. that we have of, of this is how we approach this with our with our fellow brothers and sisters in arms man that's like you know we don't care if you want to sit on the couch and rip bong hits all afternoon and not get off the couch that's your prerogative but we're going to show you how to do this conservatively and correctly the first time until you get your feet on the ground mm-hmm. it's like anything you do the first time you know it's like you referenced tequila. I'm not a tequila guy, but I know there's a full thing of that kind of a run, you know. That made a get lot of into, sense to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, and as Colin is reaching out into now, like psilocybin and, and other things that are out there, you know, like freaking peyote, which is one of my personal favorites, you know, it's like, and I, <laughs> and I did eat, do a lot of mushrooms and eat a lot of LSD back in the late 70s and early 80s when, you know, trying to process, so I didn't get that. You know, I didn't get that that's what we were doing, that we were decompressing back then when I was a young man in my 20s. You know, I didn't get that that's what we were doing, that we were trying to cast off all this, Colin reference, cast off all this shit we just got finished, done in the previous 72 hours to get that fucking off of us, you know? And it doesn't get off of you at all. You know, it follows you through your life. How we process it now, what I'm realizing, I thought my self-isolation was my sanity. I believe the plant is my sanity now, and teaching people that you don't have to self-isolate, that you can grasp this plant, and it, it can be a lifeline to you. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not, but at least venture out beyond opioids and alcohol and self-seclusion and embrace veterans walk and talk and get around other brothers. and It did this old man that hadn't been around other brothers and sisters in arms for years and years and years, two years ago for that redheaded son of mine's birthday to come down and embrace him and be That's around right. it was him. two years
3: ago. And he hasn't stopped talking since just been out there just talking about cannabis left and right. You can't get away from doc now.
1: <laughs> it's too important, Colin. It's I know. I'm,
3: I know. I'm joking. It, yeah. it breaks my heart,
1: brother. It breaks my heart, man. Mine too. It really does. It kills me mm-hmm. to think that, I, and I th- got it. when I, How I understood it is I realized that what Joanne you led to it too. Is like, you can't, people don't have access, you know, it's like, and I've been literally in tears, the 22 a day. Now they're saying 17 brothers and sisters a day, 22 a day, whatever the figure is one too many. None, one one a the, day is too many. Yeah, exactly. You know, I got, I got this plant running out my frippin ears and we can't get this out to people. Why can this not happen? Why can this not happen? And we're, we're making it happen. I hope, I hope we are. I hope that's.
0: I, I want to touch on one last uh, topic, and it's kind of, you know, there's so much division in society right now and people who get really upset about certain things. And I I kind of, I want to point out some commonalities and kind of bridging communities and, you know, doc, you I'm going to bring up two docs. Doc Ray, who earlier in this conversation talked about when you kind of realize that, you know, the military and the country doesn't care about you who served it. And Doc Rivers, who said a couple days ago, you know, we keep loving this country and this country doesn't love us back. There's huge commonality there. And I think people who get upset about, you know, black lives matter and say all lives matter. I think any black person would say, of course, we just hope you realize our lives matter as much, (laughs) not even more than, but as much as everybody else's. That seems like a simple ask. Um, And just the concept of fairness in society. And, you know, you're all military veterans. Do any of you get offended when a pro football player takes a knee at a stadium to try to raise awareness for um, just kind of unfairness in society as, as a slap in the face to military veterans like you? Not
3: at all. no.
2: no. Right.
3: Joanne, I want to hear from Joanne on this one. Well, Go ahead.
2: I mean, from a veteran, a US military veteran perspective, no. Because that is the reason why we serve. Colin and I were talking about it yesterday. We cannot go out to foreign lands claiming that we are fighting for the freedom of our people and come back here and deny the freedom. That is ridiculous. Obviously, freedom of speech, freedom of of being a person, um, having your own beliefs, We claim that we accept everyone here for their values. Obviously, we don't. When we uh, think that, number one, I'm sick and tired of people using veterans as a pawn to justify their beliefs or whatever they think. Number one, we are just a diversified group of people and have different opinions And some may agree with that and some may disagree with that. So you can not just lump us all in one uh, group because it it doesn't work like that. Um, Yes, we do join the military. We have that in common and we fight alongside each other despite our differences, despite our mindset, despite what we look like and make shit happen. Do good things, do bad things, whatever the case may be. But in there, um, we're all doing that. And even in the military, you know, there are people that are racist and still have to work alongside a black person and get the job done. Um, And, you know, same situation. Um, But ultimately, no, I'm not offended. I think that is exactly why I went to war twice, you know, that for people to be able to do that here. So, no, it, to answer the question, it does not offend me. I think it's the way it should be. So, w- you know, they're not, it's somebody that's not breaking a law or um, hurting anybody, um, but actually standing up for something they believe and something that d- does need to be addressed. Obviously, look at the circumstances we're in. So, if that wasn't predicting that, hey, putting uh, a shedding light on a, on a situation in America that it's, you know, it's about time we get over that hump um, clearly. So not at all. I think it was necessary and I think it's still necessary for people to stand up for what they believe in or for, for, you know, for stuff that's violating uh, human right, rights in America. So no, it's not offending, I'm proud as hell.
0: So I want to hear from the three white males in this conversation who all served our country your thoughts on someone taking a knee to try to raise awareness for social justice. Are you offended? Because people watching this are white males who think it's horrific and, and not patriotic. So talk to those people.
3: I mean, I'm, I'm happy to talk about this. I am not offended. I think that it is, uh, thank you for unmuting my mic. I think that is um, heroic. I think that it is something to be revered in this country. When you stand up to something that is wrong, that should be celebrated. Um, I am reading a book right now that has got my absolute mind. It's called How Fascism Works. And I can't recommend it enough. It is very informative. And what this lays out and what has happened throughout history is this mythic past of patriotism that everyone holds on to, and this patriarchal society that everything is war is good. If you go to war, be proud about it, no matter what you did, no matter if you did bad things don't talk about those things only talk about the good things your your beautiful wife at home should be proud to be making kids and be taking care of those kids while you're off fighting this war that nobody seriously really even understands and what it goes back to for me is admitting mistakes because it's it's okay to make mistakes it's that's what life is to to, to to be. be to be human is to err to err is to be human right shakespeare so um, you, to, making mistakes is okay, but admitting them is just where we get off and we won't admit our mistakes. And so we've built up this mythic past of America as being this great land of opportunity, the heartland, the heartland, the heartland, the, 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 the people that feed us, the farmers, the people, they should be revered, they, their opinions, everything, it should be preserved, pride should be preserved. That is all systematic racism. And if you don't admit that you are fooling yourself, the fact of the matter is, people like Colin Kaepernick taking a knee takes more bravery than a lot of people understand. That is not easy. It is it is it is almost impossible in this day and age. And look at the look at what it's caused. I it's one man, one man, and I, look at what it's caused for good or bad. People are still talking about it, and that's what's important. For me, I see. I, you cannot get, you can't, I can't have a conversation with people who start off by saying this, this country isn't racist. This country was built on racism. This country sends people to war based on racism. All, I I don't, can't speak for everybody here, but for me, I came to the army at my absolute lowest point. I had no other alternative. That's such a common story. Why is that the case? Why are, why are our most downtrodden and hurt people? Why are the people who are impoverished in this country the ones serving it the most? These are all things that need to change and until we admit it, it won't. So absolutely, I don't, right now I, I'm having a baby in November or I would be on every front line of these protests, every single one. And I, I I can't, everybody out there protesting, don't stop.
2: But you have been though. So we've been to protest. That's true.
3: Together, so. That's true, we have. And I would, I'd be there out there every, I want to, I mean, like, I, I feel this call to action now, but it's almost too, like, it's too great. Like, it's like, I want something to put my hands on. and Just like I can get and grasp, you know, like if racism was right in front of me, I could just choke it until it was gone, but it doesn't work like that. Which is why these books are, you don't understand like the level of, of effort that goes into dividing us. It is crazy. And cannabis.
1: Is the great unifier and brought it back around? To, brought it back around to that shirt. I love that. I shirt, my shirt, my favorite shirt. My favorite
4: shirt. <laughs> and what I think people don't realize is this isn't about taking away from somebody or a group or a class of people. This is about raising everybody up. This is about looking all of our brothers and sisters in the eye and and having that contact and that love. And if you listen to the people that are spewing the hate. They're angry at people who they've never met on the word of somebody that is a known liar or is out there to misrepresent. I've been very blessed to be able to travel all over the world. And every place I've been, I haven't been to shithole countries. I've met beautiful people everywhere I've been. And I can't tell you how I I think travel will solve a lot of that. But the powers that be are trying to divide us so we don't unite. And we just need to look at each other and and listen. This is my time right now to listen to people and hear what's happening and see is I'm at that weird transition where I still think I'm 18. But I think I'm about to get an AARP letter. (laughs) But everybody keeps talking about our kids. how They're lazy. They're shiftless. They just do play video games. No, we need to listen to them. We need to be mentors. We need to support them. We need to show them that there's more community than anger and vitriol we need to show the younger kids that it's okay to listen and to love another person that you disagree with. And I'm hoping you need great trauma to heal. And I think we're gonna have to rip the bandaid off, rip the scab off, re-break the bone and let it heal properly. Add a little
2: cannabis bomb
3: in it. It'll fix it. There you go. Well said. There you go. Well said. And that's all about admitting that we were wrong. Let's just admit we were wrong about so many things. I mean. We we we're not even like we were talking about this Joanne yesterday in our podcast. Like growing up as a an American man, learning an education system, uh, schools where I was taught segregation. Like not about it. I was taught that it's how you should live. Uh, Clicks are a word for segregation. You know, you're, these things are taught to us in our institutions that we're supposed to trust. We, there's so many. America is a beautiful, beautiful country. It it, it has potential. It also was the first of its kind in many ways and an experiment that is just over 200 years old. So it's okay to admit we made mistakes. We're that young. I mean, we barely know what we're doing. Can we just admit that and then move forward? Like you said, let it scab over, put some CBD balm on it and move forward.
0: Period. 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 <laughs> 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 so the for me the the contrast is and, and that, that for me was really important because I, I you know there are a lot of impressionable people who watch this and I want them to hear from real veterans that you're not offended uh, and and they the people who are offended, didn't serve in the military. So I'm like, well, that's the, the truth." served in the military
1: no, a weren't offended. That is the point. I wanted to, nobody so, brought this up, Peter. Well, that's, that's what I said
2: about the people that use the military as a pawn, like a, a, a scheme yep. to mask their agenda and lumping us all in one category as if we all think collectively as one thing.
0: Well, I think so so, so for me, that. the most egregious thing was discovering that the NFL had their, you know, pay to play patriotism, where they were collecting money from the armed services for all the dramatic, uh, you know, national anthem, like military jets flying overhead. Uh, That makes you want to throw up.
4: The The Atlanta Falcons. Yep.
3: Go ahead.
0: And so so it's interesting to see what people get upset about, and then they go that
1: You said it though, Peter. you But you said again, in, in Colin, you alluded to it too, is that, it's that false patriotism. The ones that are the ones that are upset, they aren't veterans. You know Again, generationally, because I'm hearing it from you guys, generationally me, Ben, I give a damn what color you were. Okay? Quite honestly, my teammate was black. I love him so much, you know, we, we, we're partners, you know, we were intertwined at the hips, man. It's, it, we depended on each other, you know, and I don't care, man. It's just the bottom line of it. You know, it's like, and, and, I, and it breaks my heart. Cause I raised my children to be colorblind also. And it just really breaks my freaking heart because I personally had thought this was something we had worked through. And what I realized is we haven't worked through shit in over a half a century. And I grew up in that time period in the 60s and saw this, saw a lot of this turmoil and unrest and it, and the thing that kills me and I'm sick and tired of it, and maybe as a veteran community, we address it, these posers, man, these things that show up with the, their indignance with their flags and their body armor and all their crap trying to say that they represent us and they don't represent us, you know, how do we come in and, and play a part in this thing? You know, i'm not sure how to address that one peter but i do know this part of it there is that that part of it that i just it's like i don't see it cam saying he doesn't see it Colin saying he doesn't see it Joanne saying she doesn't see it we're generationally we're talking 44 decades of freaking military covering it all and we as a community don't necessarily embrace it i'm not saying that there's not that fringe that does see it but we have worked integrated for freaking decades, and we as a team approach things as a team. We don't see black and white. We don't see yellow and brown. We see green, or we see blue, or we see OD, and that's how we function. And we all depended on each other to keep each other alive. So when they coming out this false patriotism thing at the football football games and all that nonsense, it's like it's just a bunch of nonsense, man. And, and I don't know you you helping voice the veteran community us getting out is like the true ones of us that have paid signed the blank check the ones that has really signed that piece of paper and did the time we're not the ones that are up in arms about this thing man it's it's ones that aren't really part of it it's ones that aren't part of our veteran community the the distractors the naysayers whatever you want to call them man the the, the instigators whoever they are that they think they're trying to personal gain on something that Is it? And Joanne said, you know, trying to get what they want off of our blood, sweat, and tears and our backs, man. It's like, that's part, I don't think we as a community, well, again, we as a community don't get addressed 99% of the time. Why? Because only 3% of us on the whole freaking country ever served this country. And then it's even more integrated when you get into families that are military families like me. I have four grown children and all four of them have served, Okay. I have three that are active right now, okay? This is part of, again, we are a military community. I have a baby brother that is a Marine Corps. My old man was in the Air Force. We are a military family, okay? That sways that 3% by a lot when it's one or two families where their whole family served, you know? And as we see, we've seen generationally since Vietnam, People that come from underprivileged backgrounds find it as a way out to get out and get where they want to go. That don't have a, a slot at an Ivy League college, you know. As a military family, we 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 worked poor, we worked hard, you know. We what no silver spoons here. That whole thing It's like we. This, the, the military was a way to get away from it, you know, get you to where you wanted to go. What happened with me generationally? I shifted. I. Tri- I instilled it in my kids because I knew they were going to do it instilled it in them to get what they wanted out of it they've all select, selected career, careers within the branches that they thought would best serve them after the fact okay and I'm off topic on this thing but to, to say, assume that we as a veteran community get offended because someone takes a knee, a knee during a sportings event for crying out loud it's a freaking game well, okay. that, First that, off, let's get...
0: that, that, that's what I've always laughed at is how did sports events become these patriotic, uh, you know, like national anthem at the beginning of every professional and college sports game?
3: It's because the oh, Department oh, yeah. of Defense has an entertainment budget, period. Mm-hmm. As long as the Department of Defense has an entertainment budget and a recruiting budget. There you're going to get false patriotism. The, the, the fact of the matter is, the Department of Defense pays the NFL in order to put flags out and put guys who look revered and and do all that stuff, so that their recruiting numbers in the in the worst parts of our country will be beefed up. Because football and uh, people of color and all these things are severely affected by so much of the poverty and so much of the systematic racism at the top of our country right now. Whether you're not, you want to. Put out everything else that, that that man, as our president, has done. That man wouldn't last two seconds on a line. Two seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, for me, that means a lot. W- put that man on an aircraft carrier and watch him. Watch what happens if he's blown by a fucking aircraft jet. See what happens to that man.
2: That, I'm pretty sure he's not going to get back and go to work like I
3: did. <laughs> he's not. And he's, and he's going to be milking that forever. And here's the thing with that is like, I joined the infantry in 2007, late 2007, 2008. I had to go through rigorous psychological and psychiatric, psychiatric testing before I was able to join. I had to take an IQ score. I had to take the ASVAB. I had to because I admitted to using cannabis, I joined the military at 26 years old, because I admitted to using cannabis more than 50 times before prior to joining, I was made to see a psychiatrist. These are all things I had to go through in order to go to war and be an, an, a, a lethal instrument of this country. Why is it that anyone with the money to put their name out there can climb to the very top of that pillar and be in charge of everyone that is so backwards and wrong in so many ways again we just have to come to an understanding that some things we've tried have not worked and I think we will grow from there
1: hopefully so hopefully we'll see that and I and I'm not speaking for everybody but I hope that we see a, a shift that we haven't seen quite honestly I'm a, I'm gonna go back a little bit for some of you guys when Clarence Thomas was going on to the Supreme Court and Anita Hill we've seen this this swell of, of females and people of color and unrepresented move into the political spectrum that wasn't there previously until, you know then that was 91 it's like that's how far back this goes since the last time we've seen this kind of grassroots movement within our politics and I'm so thankful to see Mm -hmm. so many women coming quite honestly it pisses me off being a crotchety old white guy to get looped in with all these other jackasses that are crotchety old white guys because i am not one of those motherfuckers no i'll tell you
2: something we are all aware that not everybody is like that um
1: i I, (laughs) am thankful for it sister because i i don't i'm thankful for that
2: not everybody is like that and quite frankly even in the military where i experience individuals who came from a background where perhaps growing up the only perception of a Black person they had was what they saw on TV Um, and then coming into contact and seeing like whoa and admitting like I was completely like I never thought um, a Black person would be able to do this or act a certain way or um, so even in that happened in the military and quite frankly witnessing that gave me number one an even more greater understanding of the fabric of of america and the Mm -hmm. limited exposure that people have um and at the same time people can come to to their senses once you know coming like you said uh, I think it was Cam that said earlier, traveling just completely changes your, your perspective because exposure matters. Um, and also even on TV, like representation matters. So if you have this ra- race portrayed as a, a way on TV, and that's the only access that these people have to view in that, clearly it creates some systemic issues. Um, in the fabric of of America. And I think the fact that all this stuff is arising and we are all, even no matter which spectrum, which side of the spectrum you end up, um, as far as your beliefs, um, we all know there's a fucking problem. And I feel like we're all actively working towards um, making the necessary corrections. Um, we do know there. There's a problem. It was created, like Colin said. We can't put an actual face to it so we can punch it. But you know, we just got to continue to move forward. We have to continue to admit that there's a problem, awareness, um, and then what can we do personally? How far can we reach to cause an impact and a change? Um, and the fact, you know, that we have these conversations, Colin and I get together weekly and have um, discussions that we know are not being had. So if we have the eyes on ourselves, we should go ahead and discuss them. Um, and right now, because we are, most of us are just enclosed. Not everybody, we, we're not so cut up in, in life. Um, now we're home with this whole coronavirus shit. It has literally, um, it, it's had us glued to a box for the most part, whether it's your small screen or, or, or the bigger one. Um, and now we have we can't turn away. So now you know we all have to actually do something, which honestly guys, um, it excites me, you know, that the fact like okay, so now you really don't got much going on. What are you gonna do to make the change? Because now you know, that something has something has to change. Um, and I'm super proud of, of at least the circle around me. And obviously, by extension with you guys that we are all towards elevating everybody elevating, you know, we are aware that a group of people, black people, we've not been elevated by this country. So it's about time that we equal the playing field and we are human too, and we've contributed. Um, as a collective, um, to a lot just as much, if not, you know. Speaking from from my culture, we've we've contributed more than enough to have a seat at the table, and that's.
1: that's Amen, all. sister. Amen.
2: And
3: honestly, because cannabis, bringing it full circle, Joanne, cannabis, as you've said, as we've talked about, is a matriarchal industry. It mm-hmm. is. The plant that we smoke is a female plant it is a matriarchal community and America is as you know father first as it gets so that threatens the fabric as you said of America but it needs to be threatened and it needs to be sowed the the matriarchy and the minority-led um, uh, empowerment that cannabis provides is one of the most exciting things about being in this community.
2: Yeah, I think we can, cannabis um, definitely can be an industry that we can, we can, we can pioneer this movement, continue to um, show that we all can work together, that, you know, through medicine, to, through wellness, um, we can create like cultural change from the root, you know, from the seed. Um, If you really, I I always like to uh, take it back whether it's in business as far as the industry goes or as far as as medicine go, like we are just planting seeds, whether it's education, um, the scientific aspect of it, the cultural aspect of it, the social aspect of it. We're planting seeds um, in literally and figuratively, Figuratively speaking, and um, we just got to be patient and continue to do the good work um, and the plants will sprout and eventually we will, we will be causing a radical change, um, positive change for not only for America, but global, at a global scale. That's, that's how much I do believe uh, in not only what we're all doing here, but like the plant itself and where we can take this.
4: So. Amen, sister. So, Amen. Not just in farming and agriculture and cultivation. Monocropping and monoculture is never sustainable. You need a bit of everything. You need a broad spectrum of everything, flowers and vegetables and trees and fruits and uh, all kinds so, of yes, we animals. Can't, we can't have a monoculture in our culture as well or our communities.
2: Exactly. That. Thank you for beautifully... <laughs> Um, coming in there, making it come together. So that's exactly what I meant.
0: Well, why Mm -hmm. don't we, why don't we, uh, that's a good mic drop moment. Uh, Why don't we end there and we can always regroup at a later date. We can get ready for part two, whenever that may be.
2: I can't wait. Guys, it was such a pleasure. It was an amazing conversation. Um, Totally. guys.
4: Uh, Y'all as well
2: doing the work. I I look forward to working together, you know, um, whether it's coming back and regrouping or um, just getting the word out there. So thank you so much. Thanks, Colin. We need to talk a little bit more. Thank
4: Thank you. you. Because every all of this is happening at the same time. And I've had this is the third conversation like this I've had this week. The universe is putting us all in each other's paths and we're all yeah. asking the same questions. How do we get this knowledge out there? How do we make a change? What can we do in my neighborhood, in my family, my town, my state? And we're all here together. And so let's keep this going between us two on how we can help each other to, to move this forward as well. Because you know we, we have a, a good reach and this is what it's gonna take to, to get us to move forward is conversations like this. And you know we all each have a piece of this puzzle. And so how are we gonna all put them together and how many more people are out there that have pieces that we've been looking for? So we just need to to keep this out there and raise your hand saying, I'm here to help.
0: Thank
4: so
3: it was absolutely. Fun.
4: thank you all, I appreciate thank it.
0: Thank you.
3: No, thank you guys. Unbelievably fun, thank you.
0: Thanks everyone.